This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, guys. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and it's Christmas time. So if it's Christmas time, Finkel Ferguson's here. Before yeah. we get into that, yeah, baby. And when we get before we get into it with Fingal, this is the second year in a row we've had Fingal for Christmas, which I love. Let's talk about a little bit of business. What do you say? First things first, Broadback Ironworks. Broadback Ironworks is are the makers of the 2x72 grinder. They're knife makers making grinders for not only knife makers, but metal workers, woodworkers, sculptors, the whole nine yards. They make great grinders, horizontal, vertical. There are special discounts in place for their different packages. If you go to broadbackironworks.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK200, you can get $200 off any of their grinder packages. If you put in KNIFETALK100, you'll get a discount of $100 off their sharpening system, surface grinder, and leather sewing machines. These guys make awesome grinders, and I really appreciate their service. I love everything about them. They have great customer service. They have a great machine. You can put it together or you can have it put together. You can have it unpainted. You can have it painted. You have have different options available to fit your needs. It's the only grinder you're going to need. I have a few grinders and it's the best one I got. No question about it. So go to broadbackironworks.com and uh, check it out for yourself. Follow them on Instagram too. Definitely worth it. Um, they are dynamite guys, and it's a great American product making. You know, and they're going to be shipping to Europe pretty soon. So get a hold of that if you're if you're over in Europe, you want to figure it out. Give them a call. They're going to send. They're going to figure something out. Next is Even Heat manufactures the finest heat treat ovens available. I love my Even Heat. I love my even. I used it today. I, I uh, heat treated some some blades. But if you don't heat treat blades, maybe you make hammers. Maybe you make axes. Maybe you're a ceramicist. Go get yourself a great heat treat oven. These are ovens that keep you at a very specific temperature where you need to be. If you're making stainless anything with stainless steel, you have very tight tolerances on the, the temperature, and the solid-state drive will keep you squared away. So go to evenheat-kiln.com. Check out what they have. I'm telling you. They're the best, the best service. Uh, they they are great for troubleshooting. You have a problem, you call up Evenheat. They're the best. So go to evenheat-kiln.com. Check out what they have. Next is Axe Wax. Axe Wax, all natural, food safe. Wax folio axe. It's great. All natural, food safe. It Get it. Go get yourself a couple pucks of Axe Wax for your carbon, for your wood, for your leather, for your lips, for your hair, whatever it takes. You can go to axwax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10 for 10% off. You can go to UK Knife Maker Supplies, UKKnifemakersupplies.com. And if you're in the UK, they're taking Full Blast 10. If you're in the EU, knifematerial.at, he taking Full Blast 10. Australia, you go to Gamaco, they're taking Full Blast 10. Or nordicedge.com.au, they're taking Full Blast 10. Get yourself some Axwax, stop fooling around. Next is Total Boat. Makers of the adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds it started out for boaters and DIYers, and they realized that, ladies and germs, we got to not only keep your boats from flo- afloat, but your products squared away. So if you need anything uh, glued together, their epoxies are awesome. Um, their uh, their all their polishing compounds are great. I use their two-part epoxy for handle scales. I also use their UV Cure resin for. Uh, filling little voids and cracks. It's really great. And if you go to TotalBoat.com, you can put in Full Blast 10 for 10% off all of your all of your order. You can do all sorts of stuff. You can take all your dead animals and stick them in some two-part epoxy like Jimmy DeResta does. 
find out what he's doing. He's 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 mummifying his his weird animals in Total Boat. We're gonna talk to him pretty soon about it. Find out what's going on with him and all them animal critters he put in the Total Boat. It works for it worked for him. Why don't it work for you? Keith Deason, Derek from Malden, Keith Johnson, Keith Mitchell—they're all using Total Boat. Get yourself that ten percent off with Full Blast Ten. Next is Maritime Knife Supply. Go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca or go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com for all your knife-making needs, belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, forges, presses, heat-treating ovens, anvils, whatever you need. They got axe wax. They also have uh, all the TR Maker stuff. They have uh, file guides. They have whatever you need. If you have a if you have a question, you say, well, do they have a brooch? Well, yeah, they do have a brooch. Lawrence over up there is taking care of people. He's got steels. He's got awesome steels. Every time he, if you need something, send him a message, he'll get it. I can guarantee you. He even has uh, Darren, Darren uh, Dr. Laren Thomas's must-have book, Knife Engineering. So go to Maritime Knife Supply and get yourself some of that. Even if you're in the United States, the, the, the exchange rate's fine, and he gets it as fast as you're going to get it anywhere else. I, I, he sends me stuff all the time. I'm always surprised how fast it gets here. MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Last but not least, last but not least, my friends at Trojan Horse Forge said that there are stable rail knife finishing vices in stock. So go to uh, TrojanHorseForge.com. And get yourself the the best of the best. Just stop fooling around. It's enough already. They they have awesome knife finishing vices in bomb proof cases that you can hand sand your blades. You can finish your handles. Whatever you need, go get yourself one of them good ass vices and stop fooling around because it's enough. And they have them in stock. And they have take payment plans. And if you put in full blast in the promo code, you can get free shipping in the United States. What's so good? What's so bad about that? Every, nothing. Nothing so bad about that. So go get yourself some of that total Trojan Horse Forge. And that's it. This is it, man. Christmas is here. And Santa Claus just brought me this tall drink of water. Fingal Ferguson, what is going on, my boy? I was trying to picture somebody come up behind you with an actual glass of water. I did not. I don't think I've ever been referred to as a glass of water before. I, I have to tell you, are you like, a, I, for some reason, I see you as like a Robert Plant type. I, I, I for some, I always see you and I, a shorter haired Robert Plant. I, I will say this, and I'm not kidding, Fingal. When people mention to me you you on or off, you either before they come on the show or after you come on the show, I the two things I get are I could hear Fingal Ferguson talk about anything with that voice. That's number one. And number two is I can hear Fingal talk about food all day long. <laughs> Probably because I talk about food all day long. But uh, well, that's your biz. <laughs> I, I suppose it's what floats my boat. But well, uh, that's yeah. the crazy part is is like oh, I, you're. I don't know. You're a fascinating guy. We've had you on, obviously. You have to stop it's being either, complimentary. Okay? I don't know. I need, I, need to, I need to throw in the occasional insult in there as well, buddy. Balance, balance the whole thing out. Go ahead. You can insult the <laughs> shit out of me. That's fine by no, me. I don't give you a... insult me is what I'm getting at. But anyway, look. Don't oh, be I'm too not nice. gonna, I have nothing. To, I, how can I possibly? It would be. I mean, it's like. I can't. No, no. What I'm getting at is it's, 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 I don't know. I've grown up in a family that we actually kind of give each other as much of a hard time as we take care of each other. So <laughs> I'm not used to too many compliments. Well, <laughs> but, but, but I don't know if people know you for the knife making or the, or the farm. I don't know. I, I think I think uh, well look I suppose the knives have have gone international I suppose in Ireland I suppose it's the food but um I think they kind of go hand in hand. Do you know it's when I was um when I was quite young I remember the um 
there was an interesting, a great friend, a guy called Lorenzo Tanti. He's the guy who does the uh, graphics and the art. He's the guy who came up with my logo, the um, which is the F made out of three yes. knives. Excellent. I, I talked logo, about that before. Oh, I mean, fuck it. I think it, it made me in, in many kind of ways. The solidness of it, the simplicity of it. But um, I mean, mine looked like a strange kind of religious symbol of like sort of a, 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 a kind of a cross type thing with Fs back to back. And he turned it into the knives. And he was so he's amazing in that respect. Very creative guy. He's Swiss Italian. So you can imagine the, 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 the dual side of, of, you know, that those cultures bring. But um, one of the the, the, the the interesting things, oh God, what was I talking about with Lorenzo? It was the, um, oh God, what was I going to say? <laughs> you were talking about, you were talking about your logo and oh, you were talking, yeah, about how you were, how you, you think that for some reason you seem to think that the logo has made you what you are, which is like, I'm going to insult you now. That's, a, that's the dumbest thing I heard from you. <laughs> that yeah. You think the logo is what made you, people know who you are. Yeah, no, I was going to go somewhere else with that. Do you know what it is? It's it's the I've probably already started. It might be the not the first or the last time I'll probably do that. It's the it's the busy Christmas season. I I think literally we are we're getting all the Christmas hams together. We're doing all the orders. It's it's long days and very physical, and um, so yeah, I think that was just the ultimate brain fart that just happened there. <laughs> so I think we might have to regroup and start again. No, no, no we're, start, we're doing nothing. No, 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 not start start again. I think oh, we should probably tell everybody what we've been going through there. We're we're down someone, aren't we? <sighs> yeah, unfortunately, this was going to be a knife, the all-new, all-different knife talk with Noah Vashon and Fingal, and we just had nothing but problems. I don't know what's going on with this service because we had problems over at Knife Talk. We couldn't get Mareko on. I don't know what's going on. Might be Christmas time. Might be who knows what. But we 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 tried our darndest to have um, Noah on again, and we're really sorry because he just couldn't get it. And we're gonna have him on, and we're gonna do this again with with him. Um, in Absolutely. January Noah, or something. Noah like is fascinating. And I actually, I want to hear about his latest project. He's doing a fascinating um, uh, thing. It's a knowledge sharing, isn't it? It's sort of like he, he's, he's uh, if you, well, I can't explain it. So I think go and have a look at his Instagram. He's, he's yeah. just, I think it's, uh, but we'll, we'll get him to talk about it next time he's on. He's doing like coaching sessions, That's which is I'm like this for. really, it's like, I think he's calling them coaching sessions. Mm. And it's a great idea because it's really like, it's almost like being, seeing a teacher after hours and like booking a little session. And that's actually a great idea because and I, wish assuming... I, I wish I had it when I started making knives, the amount of, and cause sometimes you just want to pop in and out and just get into ask a quick question. But well, the cool uh... thing is, is you book time with him and we're mm. doing a, we're doing a thing with him. And this is a smart move yeah. because let's just say you had a, you had a knife making problem and you kind of think you could figure, he could figure it out. You could block some time out with him. He's going to charge you. He's not going to kill you with the price. And then you can focus your time on on the problem that you're having right there. And obviously, he's he, he, the the knife. I mean, he's such a good knife maker, and he's so well spoken. And I'm I'm just I know that there's there's just no reason why he shouldn't have like his own TV show or something like that because yeah. his his whole voice is very like everything about him is very like. He's so together. <laughs> he's so together. It's like the opposite of me. I'm like all over the place. He's a. I don't. He doesn't stutter. I. I listen to how he speaks. He doesn't stutter. He doesn't stammer. He speaks in complete sentences. Mm. He has complete control over the words that he's trying to say, and it drives me fucking crazy because I'm stuttering and stammering and blah blah blah. You know, and he. So you can book yeah, some he's, time he's with him. Pretty together to me, buddy. But I. I, I prefer to ride the chaotic wave myself. <laughs> I had uh, when I was younger. I had, I had real 
stuttering and stammering problems. Official, and like an official one, or or just enough to pick. I you don't up? know. I mean, I don't know if it's a. I don't. I wasn't diagnosed. But well, we could talk. But I got something to tell you. I got something to tell you after this. But I would stammer and stutter when I get nervous, and mm. then my father would like. He would say, uh, 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 and it would make it worse. Oh, no. And it that's was like. Psychologically, it, that's just the worst It was thing. brutal. It was totally mm. brutal. And it was like, it made it worse. So if I had like a thing I wanted to say, and he'd be like, uh, 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 spit it out, spit it out. It would make everything worse. So mm. I always have this. Uh, one of the reasons why I like this podcast and Knife Talk is because I tr- I'm really trying to work at being able to just kind of get through a conversation and talk there, and stuff like that. There's many brilliant people I know who have, have often done the, you know, going off Niagara Falls in a barrel if they're right. afraid of small spaces and, and water. I mean, and so many people I know who've taken on their worst fear or their biggest challenge to prove to themselves and others that they're capable of something. So I, I think I, I most respect for that. Well, yeah, I tell you, it's weird that it's weird right now. This, this particular, this particular time in my life is amazing and kind of tough too Hmm. my kid just got into college yay and it's like but it's it was she picked this particular school that she was like i want to go to this school in california i'm Hmm. like all right well that's that's no problem quite far away from me now isn't quite far away from us yeah but we wanted to support i support i from day one whatever she wants to do i support her i respect her she's a smart kid so she worked her ass off, worked her ass off. And then on her 18th birthday, we got the message that they're revealing who, if you got in or not. So she got in and it was, it was incredibly emotional. And then they gave her this whopping merit scholarship based on her grades and everything like that, which was like, we were wow. not expecting to. And it was amazing. And it was like this, it was so legitimizing to her that she, the hard work. I mean, we didn't get her, mm. we didn't make any phone calls. We didn't have any friends at the What's school. What's her subject? I don't know. I mean, she likes music, and she's just she's in honors everything. I guess the way they do school here. No, no, but, here but, is... but don't you go into college with with the subject a chosen subject? I mean, I obviously think you that's can. Something that I think there, on. I think there are places that you can go on to focus on. In this situation, she's going to a liberal arts school, which is a little bit of everything, and then she can decide what she wants to do. I think ah, she, that's I, I don't know. What she, yeah. yeah, I think I think the model over here largely is that you're you're trying to get into a particular course, like a very right. specific kind of thing, and then you can probably branch on to things after that or change around afterwards. Well, so. you can do that. Like if you're in medicine or if you're in, mm-hmm. you want to go for engineering or science or specific, you can go to places that, or like even art. There are art schools that you can yeah. go to. But this situation, this is a, the, it, the, it was all very amazing, and she's it was incredibly validating as a parent that we, you know, that this kid is just like on the money and everything's great, and it's validating for her that she did the right thing and she everything's really good. In the meantime, I'm also moving my mother's apartment because yeah. she's her her dementia is getting like worse by the day. That, yeah. No, I mean it's his life, you know. Yeah, and I'm very f- glad that we got her into a place where they're taking good care of her. We like them very much. They like her. She has 24-hour care, which she needs. And we're transitioning as great her as gracefully with as much dignity as possible. But the problem is, is like, I'm, I had, we, her finances aren't great. Well, I won't go into it, but, it, but I had to move her out of her apartment in December. So it's like Christmas time for the business. My kid's turning 18 and getting ready for college. And then I'm moving my mother out. And I, we found... I was moving some of her stuff out, and we're gonna get there. We're gonna get last night. Here's here's. I'll tell you. You want to? This is how chaotic things are. 
So last night was my daughter's 18th birthday, and I was going to make her a nice meal. We got her cake and everything like that. We've realized that the city will take away mattresses as well at night. If you leave them outside or something like that. Right, but it's a specific day. And it's specific. Okay. So I said to my wife, I'm like, let's go over to her apartment and grab those fucking mattresses because we got we, otherwise we're going to get rid of them some other way. So my wife and I, we before dinner, we run over to the apartment. My wife's just got over the flu. We're both wearing black because we're like maniacs. We're wearing <laughs> masks because it was an old folks' home, like a you know senior citizen. Yeah. So we're walking through wearing black and masks, and we grab these mattresses and we're running through the hallway. Well, you know, slogging them through the hallway. We're both forty eight, forty nine. You know, we we look totally like a bunch of thieves stealing mattresses out of old people's apartments. <laughs> so these people are like staring at us. And then at one point I'm carrying the mattress over my head and I'm putting it on the truck and then we're doing the other one. And we look like we're, we both, my wife and I both look like we're robbing mattresses out of, you know, and then did that. And then next thing you know, we, we got it. We all squared away and we're getting our house at squared away and then get it ready for my kid. But we found these files and my mother had kept all my report cards from school. And they're not good. And it was really like, it was really, really, really like, it, they're all like C's and C minuses. And Jeffrey really needs to focus. And he's not serious in this class. And it was really d- disappointing. And then they found, then there was this psychological profile. A psychological profile that I had been done on me that my mother kept. And I made the huge mistake of reading it. Oh, Okay. It was, I'm a, I was an angry young boy. I was an angry boy and I was, I was like, it was, I didn't want to be profiled and I was tired of being yelled at by teachers and I was just frustrated by the fact that I couldn't do anything and I was getting yelled at all the time. And so it was this, this very, we're in this strange point in our, in my life right now. And, and it's just like, I'm very fortunate enough to be around people like you who are super creative and super positive and you're inspiring and seeing you do all this wonderful stuff. And I'm just grateful that you're here. No, oh, well, thank you for having me. And, and so look, maybe I'm showing too much of my nice side. I need to put up some of those terrible, this is what broke today and this was what's gone wrong well, today. I, I, I mean, <laughs> let's see. I, I mean, I, I would love to know the day, Christmas time, you're not in the knife shop. The knife shop's been closed up, I would imagine, since November. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, well, it, 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 we suddenly hit very cold periods a cold snaps come in it could be minus seven tonight centigrade um there's there's been a couple of cold days and ireland is not prepared for it so we don't have those means to salt roads or all of our houses because half of everybody's water plumbing all kind of runs above ground starts to freeze over it's absolutely hilarious to watch a country ground to a halt just because of one slight freeze um we 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 just kind of let shit slide because it happens only for a small period of time in winter and every couple of years so um that's not surprising at all yeah it's very it's, i think it's very irish actually yeah i should be glad it's not that glad. irish i tell you what <laughs> i once had to drive down to florida from new york in january and i was yeah. staying at my, my uncle's in south carolina and they got like three inches of snow yeah people abandoned their cars on the road they no were not they there was no there were they had no ability to plow. They'd never get that kind of snow. Okay, and people. It was like two or three inches of snow, and they people are abandoning their cars everywhere. So I'm not. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, yeah. No, I suppose that. I mean, the cold is that's only a part of it. I I, I think the we're we're kind of getting into the last kind of 
stint of excitement before Christmas because we actually close down on Christmas Day and don't open up until the, the first working week in, in sort of January. So it's actually nice to have. And I've always kind of said it feels like we just turn into a normal farm, you know, and a family for for that Christmas period because there's no food production, and everything else like that. But it does mean that we have to kind of do more than two weeks worth of business in, 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 in one week, as well as all the Christmas stuff. And I think it's great. I mean, the Christmas ham is sort of a tradition on the Christmas table. And, and I suppose we're one of the few places in Ireland that does kind of, you know, fancy or, you know, well-reared and all that kind of side of things with the ham. So it does get busy. And like I said earlier on, it's sort of like moving a couple of ton from one pile to another pile and then back again afterwards. So the back goes stiff and everything else. But I think that's a good sign of being busy. I'd hate to be quiet right now. So I'm kind of embracing that as something to actually celebrate more than anything else. Um, but we're head down and driving on. I, I had a, a good run with knives. I've kind of finished the... Um, and kind of wound down the there's a, a couple of people left on, on my waiting list but i'm now kind of switching to knife drops so i've kind of been testing that whole process out and just seeing how it goes and i'm kind of glad to say it, it kind of works so um going into next year now just kind of develop and expand around on that and sort of make knives through the weekend and and like again as the model kind of goes as long as nobody's missing and nothing's broken you know make a few knives and, and on the other side of things you know do all the stuff around the farm and we got a bit of, of weird news the other day the we had to pull our planning permission out because it was about to get refused um, what do you for, mean for the for a biodigester remember i was talking oh about yeah that yeah that, you were talking that, about that. the biodigester yeah yeah i got i got the heads up from from the architect saying that that it, it was being blocked by the government and the same well the, the planning department which is also the same part of the, you know the government that's also giving us a grant. It, it's like a really weird one side wants us to do it and somebody else didn't, and it, it gets very frustrating. But um, I think we do have the means or the opportunity to to talk to them and try and find out what is the issue, and um, and to sort of put it in again because this is sort of our our long term goal for sort of energy and consumption and being more environmental and everything like that so i think it ticks a lot about a lot of boxes and it's worth doing but at the same time it's you know it's something we can always do again in several years time and maybe look at solar until then but um do you know when you're you're in the middle of the day several things are happening everybody's trying to talk to you and you, you get that one text message you don't want to get that sort of yeah. like it throws you over but um you know like everything you just absorb it you sit back and you just let that shit slide and, and move on so we're, um, yeah, I, I think I've been having a lot of fun with the, the kids and they're, they're really loving Christmas. You know, the, 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 the trees are up, you know, Santa vibes and the whole Christmas spirit is, is strong in the house. And I think that's something that's kind of beautiful. Normally Christmas pisses me off. I, I just see it as a period of, of, of kind of stress and work. And part of the magic is actually seeing the the positive side and you yeah. know that thing i don't know you must have the same thing in new york there's there's a period where the the crisp cold but there's certain days where everything is just utterly beautiful the light is completely different in a sort of a winter on a winter's day and on a perfect kind of crisp day that actually somebody told me it, it's sometimes it's something that you can actually celebrate and look forward to i mean what's your favorite season in the year well, it changes based on age. I definitely want to talk about Christmas in New York, but I, I it changes. Nowadays, I, I, I've always liked the spring. Mm, yeah, like the spring too. to me, the spring to me is the best because everything starts to get green and you're just like, 
January, February, March in New York is, is terrible. I hate it. I hate it, everything about it. Like, you're, by the time you hit March, you're just like, please, 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 no more snow. <laughs> and, and, it's, and so, like, when the spring comes and all of a sudden things start to bud and pop, that's when I get excited. I love the summertime, hmm. but I think the spring has always been my favorite time of the year. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, it's like you are waking Think, up. Things coming to life and it's kind of, yeah. Exactly. It's like the beginning of something wonderful. You know, yeah. there's more to come. Yeah, I think that's... Beautiful. But Christmas, I got to talk... I I, I want to talk about Christmas because, like, I have some... I have some... I have thoughts on what's... I picture what's happening at Gabin at Christmas time. And I <laughs> just... I In my mind, number one, I know you and I are, like, team scarf all the way. We yes. Were in, oh, we bring know, it on, yeah. Team scarf. We wear scarves. I love wearing scarves. And I think my wife got me wearing scarves. She wears scarves all the time. I love wearing scarves. I love wearing a vest. I like just enough clothes where I can kind of do things like farm style. Like my, But at the same time, it's like I do like Christmas in New York growing up in like a, my father was non-practicing Jewish. My mother was Roman Catholic. We always had Christmas trees. There is a wonderful it's a total pain in the ass when i worked in the restaurant business in during christmas it was the worst but there is something very joyous about christmas time where the trees are up and pe- there you get to well, maybe you'll get to go to a party or you'll get to see things new york city in the at christmas time is amazing yeah i love I it i love it and it's like there's just it, there's nothing like it mm. there's nothing like it and but also I grew up kind of outside of the city too, so I remember you know being in the forest and seeing the you know the trees, and I, I do love Chris. The Christmas time really is something special. Yeah, yeah. So, how many cams? How, so when people want to <laughs> order, for, I know I need to know people want. I'm here. All I can hear is Ben Stern in my my head saying, "Talk about the food. Ask him about the food. Don't give a shit about the Christmas tree. I don't know about the food." <laughs> How many hams do you think you'll you, Gabine will sell for Christmas? I suppose it it, it would there'd be a couple of hundred orders that have that have come through, uh, um, and I mean like really, there's only so many we can actually make, um, right? So we are limited by that. <clears throat> and I think what one of the other things, and I'm sure it's the same there, that the Christmas courier is kind of it all goes crazy because everybody's sort of ordering so much stuff for Christmas that we can't really rely on products getting on time, so. It's we're glad that we have farmers markets going. So largely, most of those hams will all go through there and our regular customers and everything like that. So we're um, we've been curing like crazy for as in curing the brining the hams, um, pretty much towards the end of November. And then it's all about getting the portionings and the sizes and everything that right. And it's it's funny because it's like bone in, bone out, skin on, rind off, fat, lean, skinny, three kilos, four kilos, five kilos, six kilos, going here, there. There's things to go in with the order as well it's got to go to this market and you know there's so there's there's a um and you know after having done it for so many years now i find myself being a little bit more um not so much about multiple lists and constantly doing everything i kind of wing it a little bit more now and actually kind of have a good strong ethos of of sort of counting out how many different portions we need and then bringing it down to crunch time and assigning everything to everywhere and, and i've got a great team so robin who runs the smokehouse he um he's absolutely brilliant he's dutch which just brings that fantastically efficient kind of side and he'll probably it'll probably um it'll probably piss him off if i said it but you know he's like spock in that kind of respect incredibly <laughs> logical from star trek 
Um, sure. And, and, I, and I'm the total opposite. So I think that we complete each other in that respect. He brings the um, the logic to the table. But there's been an amazing team. I mean, do you know, there's just that, that point where you just get so excited when um, all the cogs are working and, and everybody that's around us. Because we do nothing but take the piss out of each other. I mean, anything to do with butchering is all about sexual innuendos, bad yeah, of jokes course. And, and bad behavior. And um, yeah, I think we're, we're we're in full flow with that. And um, but yeah, no, I think this is this is the the, the busyness is all going to kick off now. And I feel like everything Touchwood is is um, going to plan. So let's just um, fingers crossed so, and drive on. So this coming week, oh, that's right. You know what? I didn't even think about it. Hmm. Like you, you, you probably have a, a very specific amount of time that you can that people can have these hands. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not going to get them. In, you're not going to get them in November for Christmas. Well, everybody wants to get it before Christmas. A lot of people kind of cook them, you know, the the day before, and then you kind of do the glaze on the actual day itself and reheat it. So it's nice to get it into everybody's hands and also make sure, um, you know, all that kind of side of things. Um, is there but, a specific uh, day where it's total mania, like the last day where everyone's going to be showing I don't think up? So. And- I think I think thanks to 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 Robin and the rest of us, we just stretch everything out and and sort of just plan ahead to um, to kind of stop that. I mean, like we're still starting at eight o'clock, and and like everybody's kind of gone at four or five in the afternoon. Like I was working until until just before this podcast, um, just tidying up the loose ends. But um, overall, I mean, it's it's just. It's yeah, it's a little bit more go go, but we're still working in respectful kind of times and getting home to family and doing all that kind of side of things. Um, and it, yeah, we just kind of yeah, no, it, it, there's nothing too intense. It's just twice as much work, but in the same amount of time. <laughs> At what point of the year do you start to talk about what we need for Christmas? Uh, you start the summer? Think, Are you looking yeah, at the a, summertime? It's a, it's, well, it's a five-minute conversation usually that myself and Robin will will kind of have. Um, like we'll we'll sort of let, let's start stashing. Like we'll we'll put some of the um, you know the the outdoor reared and or the straw pen. You know the we'll put some of the pork legs into the freezer. Um, you know just after summer and start to stash that because what we'll do is we can freeze some of the the, the fresh pork and we've got these really kind of good freezers that we can do that in and then we'll defrost them very carefully and then we can brine them and that's the ability to actually stockpile enough hams to have for christmas because we're still kind of butchering about 20 20 pigs a, a week from the higher what size stuff. vessels are you brining them in oh do you know what there's there's an interesting thing I, did we have this conversation before about the old-fashioned irish kind of brines and the concrete tanks no i know uh, okay. i need to know because I, I don't know, is is it just me or was it fair enough to say that the Irish have this reputation for ham? You know, it was the the Limerick ham was was a sort of a thing, and it, I, it was this whole I never thing knew about it. ham. Well, you know, I never knew it was an Irish thing. I never knew it was an Irish thing. Okay, so ham ham was was one of those kind of things, you know, bacon and ham and this whole kind of preserving and, and salting of 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 sort of meats and the. Um, the ancient thing was called a hard cure, where you actually literally put your, your pork loins or your hams into barrels and entirely cover them with salt. Right. And hard curing more or less means you've salted the shit out of it. It's just, it, it doesn't need a fridge anymore. It's literally so salty that it's lit. And then what you would do is you'd keep change, you need boil it, you'd change the water, you'd boil it, you'd change the water. And you kept doing this thing where you kept changing the water till eventually you could take all the salt out. And it, it's something that is of a taste of old you know it, it, it's something that none of us probably in a modern day would would probably do anymore because it's an acquired taste first of all um but you don't need to we have fridges and we have everything else now so 
after that along came brining where you actually have sort of your your hand brines and you can like you just said these very large things you put your your legs and they float around in it and what happened was that nowadays what people do is they kind of brine the hams and they vacuum pack them or they put them into bags and then that means you no longer have to have large vessels you just have to have somewhere to stack all these vacuum bagged um, or or, and trust me that the commercial industry has means of speeding things up and doing it a lot faster um, and that's how they do it but we kind of still use the old method of leaving them in the brine but what was interesting was that, and you know, I'm always fast, fascinated by microbiology. So you yeah. know, enzymes and bacteria and all this wonderful stuff. I mean, what, what will fascinate one person can scare the shit out of another, but it's fascinating to me. So enzymes, even if something is so salty, as salty as the Dead Sea, things can still live in there. I mean, like if you think of, um, you know, where they still find bacteria on, on, on sort of space rocks and you know, all this kind of amazing things that you can survive anywhere. And most of these enzymes are fascinating. And, and the majority of them in the food world lend themselves to amazing, amazing things. I mean, if, if the world was overly sterile or the food world was, you know, nothing would have flavor in, in many kind of respects, you know, if you're, if you're fascinated by traditional foods and fermented foods. So what was happening was that when they started vacuum packing and, and sort of using modern methods of curing meats, what, what they did was they started digging up all these old-fashioned concrete tanks and throwing and you know disposing them and building new modern um kind of uh like buildings to to kind of with this new technology you could say for curing and what was happening was they lost a little bit of their magic because what they were doing was they're getting rid of these tanks that had developed this sort of um, patina and flora and this magic that was in the kind of the vessels themselves the enzymes it's like if you imagine the walls of our curing rooms where the cheese are there's a lot going on, as they refer to as the flora and fauna of, of a sort of a, a building. So these enzymes, when they were kind of gone, everybody said it tasted the same, but they weren't quite the same. A little bit of the magic was gone. Hmm. And um, and I think that that was that's just one of those sort of things that you can sort of you only cop on when it's too late. You know, everything you're fascinated by the logic and the efficiency of moving forward. And sometimes just one day somebody tells you, you know, you know, they used to be better. What, what is it? Right. And, and, and it's only after a period of time, the, the, the coin drops of what you were doing was, was and that, that's just one of the traditions. So ham in Ireland, I think is, is like I said, there's always the goose, a turkey or a ham is kind of a Christmas thing. And, and I'm glad to say um, a lot of people do different things uh, as well for Christmas. And, but there is still a big tradition in, 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 and the most important thing. And I think back to bringing Christmas to the equation is getting everybody around the table. That's still the most important part. It's crazy how how fine-tuned our taste buds are hmm. that you notice something. Maybe you can't explain it. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe you can't just put your finger on, oh, well, there's not enough this or none of that. You say it's just not the same. Yeah, like, it's like before, I, before MSG was MSG. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's before we kind of realized that they're naturally occurring things like um, miso and all these other things that have that extra umami, you know, and... and that those extra bursts of flavor that come from things um i think in in and this is probably one of those things that can be badly told by myself and probably get me into trouble but i think that i'm going to say it anyway do you know when you have in in a certain world like in the cheese world you know you could have um i said like that over sterility of food some of the you know the the best cheeses in the world i remember i told you the story about the cheese that got forgotten in the back of the of, of a truck at the post truck on the way to the world cheese awards in france and the van broke down and it spent four days in the middle of summer in, in a post van broken down to the side of the road and when it finally got delivered 
it won the World Cheese Awards um, Best Cheese. Oh <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, And I think that, you know, normally that should have been condemned, but, you know. And it, there is something about about the magic of of things, but it, it's back to we need to make food safe and we need to make food for everybody. So I think no matter what nowadays we deal with so much paperwork um, and we're making sure that no matter what the circumstances are, then we're back to the yuppie, the young, the old, the pregnant, the immunity improvise that we can make food for anybody at any bad luck or timing in their life that they need to eat something that, that their body would normally have, have protected them against. So, but there is, yeah, I think that, we still need to one of those things that also makes us stronger is that um those natural defenses we have by eating wild fermented and and uh, sometimes abiding by the three second rule or <laughs> make it yeah. 10 second 30 seconds five minutes <laughs> well there's times where there's fruit a particular type of fruit mm. like that is it's ripe it's ripe it's ripe it's ripe like uh, we this uh, summer we ate a lot of pineapple oh yeah and there's these moments where you like if that pineapple goes two more days, it's going to be perfect. If it yeah. goes three more days, we got to throw it in the garbage. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. And it's like you can see like there's mold on the bottom of the pineapple. And you're just like, yeah, we just cut that part away. It's going to be sweet as shit inside. And it's like there are these moments with certain kind of fruits and things that you know, or you know, food like you said, cheese. Certain yeah. things they just need a little. You got to just like. You got to hold what you got. You got to ride it to the line mm -hmm. and it might just be a little bit better. You leave it out a little bit more, a little bit more oxygen. Maybe this thing's going to, you know, lighten up, pipe up. Smoked salmon, perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Like if you eat smoked salmon out of the refrigerator, it's going to be cold. Yeah. yeah. If you let you it. You can't taste it. Yeah. And you can't taste it. You leave it out and then it gets room temperature and then it gets a little glistening, a little bit glistening. That is going to be dynamite. But if you leave it outside, if you leave it out for a long time, you're going to trouble you're the you're the master of a good gravlax aren't you is it is it is it gravlax is your bag do you have the, the you, my, you was that the my thing dad you used to make gravlax he had a he had a he had a shop a wood shop mm. that was unheated and he would every winter he would make gravlax and he would show me how to do it it's the easiest thing in the world yeah. might as well start doing some recipes you just do us you don't and you don't have to usually what you do is you get a side of salmon with the skin on and then you would give it uh, sugar and salt and herbs, juniper berries, and, dill, and like dill, and then a little bit of vodka or aquavit or something like that. And then mm. you would wrap it up and then leave it with a brick on top. And then it's basically cure. I mean, it's just curing. So what I would do, I'd do the same thing, but I wouldn't leave it in my wood shop. I would leave it in the refrigerator. And I took, I, I started taking the skin off because I smoke salmon, but it's not like cold smoked salmon. It's like hot mm -hmm. smoked yeah. salmon. So I would take the skin off and take the bloodline out. I would do the same thing where I hit it with a little vodka, salt, sugar, some whatever, juniper berries. I don't think I ha I don't even think I've ever bought juniper berries. I don't even know where you'd get juniper berries. <laughs> I mean, I'm in fucking New York. I, what the fuck do I know about a juniper berry? I know. But then I, I hit it with some dill. Are great, but I, I don't like them being put into my gin and tonic. Those little floaters, choke hazards. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're done. And then dill, and then you wrap it in plastic, and then you put a brick on it, and then you leave it in the refrigerator. And after three days, I mean, it's like it's like it's amazing. It's dynamite. Yeah. yeah, we used to do gravel locks all the time, especially when you couldn't get good smoked salmon. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's a super dynamite dish. I love it. So Christmas time, my dad always had, you know, in his shop by the by his table saw, there'd be like a little pan with uh, some uh, fish being sat upon by some bricks, and and we'd have some. Gravelox. Yeah, it's a dynamite dish. 
but that's cure. I mean, curing is the oldest trick in the book. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like we have to think. We we didn't have fridges, uh, you know, and that's only a couple of generations ago that that you know we had to learn how to ride out winter, uh, or sorry, ride out summer, or you know, all these kind of things. How to bring food all year round, and then actually just with expertise and time and good ideas and and generations of thought, we've just learned how to make them taste better and better and better. What's the how long from when you get the ham? And the ham, when you talk about a ham, you're talking about like a leg, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like and, and I mean, like it, you can brine. It takes salt one week to travel through an inch of meat. So if you're if you're dry curing something, it can it can take weeks. So I mean, if you're making a, a big ham on or an air dried ham or a country ham or any of these sort of things. It takes weeks in salt and then uh, a period of drying. We don't dry cure the hams. We dry cure our bacon, the loin. So what we kind of, our bellies and the loin bacon, we dry cure because they all get cut thin into rashers and everything. But the legs are brined. And my grandfather's great friend was a lady called Jane Grigson, who's a famous charcutier, who who kind of translated a lot of the the French traditions for, for, for meat curing and pâtés and everything like that into English. And um, so we've always used that as a reference guide. So there's, there's sort of a lot of French uh, influences on on our, our stuff, but it's still we've got to tip the hat to Ireland. And the the so the ham brine for us is a there's a it's a traditional Limerick brine. It's salt salt sugar and a curing salt, and then there's a bottle. What does of the wine. curing salt do? Uh, so a, a nitrite or a nitrate. Potassium nitrate is saltpeter, which is the original sort of curing salt. And a nitrate is what really the the nerdy side of things is that nitrate becomes nitrite. Nitrate breaks down to nitric oxide, um, and along the way, it it kind of fixes the hemoglobins, which makes meat a little bit redder. Um, but more importantly, and the big thing, is it gives us twang. So if you eat frankfurters and mortadella, like we talked about earlier on, yeah. um, spiced beef, corned beef, pastrami, um, a lot of these kind of cured meats, they all have a particular twang. I mean, why does a, a hot dog or frankfurter taste like that? You know, right. compared to just a regular sausage because of that cured. Right, it's not twang lemon. It's not lemon juice. Or, it's not lemon juice. It's, no, no, exactly. It's, right. it's this. It's this chemical process of of a nitrate and a tiny amount, like the, the the amount of of curing salt you could fit on the on the back of your thumbnail that would cure sort of half a half a pig. You know, all over it, it. It it you have to actually thin it out and 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 mix it with with salt. So if you buy those. Um, Morton's Tender Quick or these Prague powders and these sort of um, curing salts, they're actually a 3% nitrate in there with everything else being salt as a carrier. So you get an even distribution. So those curing salts, that's how little you need to use and how effective it is. And it goes back to the early Romans. I mean, you actually realize that the Romans used curing salts because they realized that salts from certain areas were higher in, in this nitrate and that therefore it... um it kind of gave better flavors and like nitrate also appears in in leafy green vegetables so celery so you can get natural nitrates in in celery salts and stuff like that so yeah that's why that's why celery is so good in stocks and things like that um but the opposite side of that is if abused it's not good for you because um, residual nitrates can turn into nitrosames once cooked um and therefore can lead to the carcinogens so what happens is in days of old, when people used to fuck a tablespoon of, of salt, put Peter into a recipe, you know, it was it was not a good thing. But that's in a long extended amount of use and abusing it over long periods of time. So I think it's it's about 
respecting you know knowledge nowadays knows a lot more it's a lot more policed and it's a lot more clever but when you understand what goes on and also what we do is we take so long to cure our products it all breaks down so i think if you don't go through those processes of 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 time and time and things that actually let everything work yeah it it, it it's all part of a i won't get too nerdy about it but long story you short, can get yeah, nerdy that, i have a dumb question okay all right you got you have your leg of pork that's going to mm-hmm. be a ham and yeah. you put it in salt, and you yeah, say it takes yeah. a week per inch. It, that's if you're How dry you... curing. If you're brining it, then you use a, a brine pump, which will have like those needles with the holes in it, and you can inject like um, the brine all the way into the middle, and that speeds the whole process up incredibly because instantly the salt is everywhere. Um, huh. And my attitude is that dry curing will actually pull salt out of the piece of meat, and okay. brining actually puts the juices into it. So like you hear people brining tur- turkeys and chickens and, and putting their liquids into it. And a lot of the barbecue guys can kind of do it and stuff. But my attitude is, is that you want to pull the salt out of something like pancetta and bacon and ham because you don't want them to all shrivel up when they're cut into rashers and everything else like that. But then again, it's, there's no harm in having a juicy kind of a large cut of meat that's going to take a long time to cook. You know, you don't want it to, um, unless it's nicely marbled and fatty, you don't want it to become very dry and tough. So we brine our hams and we dry cure our bacon. But Um, how do you, how does it, how does it, it, this is is the dumb question. Like you have one of those things and you're mm -hmm. keeping it, how do you make sure that the inside, the deepest part of the Mm -hmm. ham is as salty as the outside of the ham? Oh, is that a dumb question? No, it's not. It's an equalization. So basically um, salt is kind of like, I suppose what is salt? Salt will will naturally balance out. So if given time and the right conditions, you will find that um, if if vacuum packed or stored or packed in a certain way, the parts that aren't salty will sort of the salt will travel and evenly distribute itself around you know throughout as long as there's sort of a water carrier to kind of you know if there's enough juice and moisture left in the meat okay. to allow the salt to move so that's when they're sort of vacuum packed it will it will balance itself out and kind of uh equalize i suppose the technical term um and i think that that's why our cold room that we actually cure everything in is about seven degrees centigrade so i don't know what that is uh, Fine. in enough. but but basically the um if it was too cold and imagine if you were like, if it was frozen outside and you're trying to keep, you know, cure something in a, in a room that's like on the verge of freezing, it slows everything down so much that the salt won't move. So our curing rooms are warmer than everything else, but not warm enough that you have a sort of, um, uh, you know, a bacteria kind of issue. Um, sorry, I was just about to get a cramp in my leg. <laughs> Do you know when you feel the cramp coming on? Okay. Yeah. I, I just, I just yeah. saved myself from a bad cramp. Um, Listen, but, old, old guys like us, we get oh, cramps yeah. in bed when, in bed when you're like your foot, your, your, your foot is pointing in the wrong direction. All of a sudden you feel a <laughs> yeah. cramp come on in bed. That's the worst. Yeah. I actually, um, I, I actually have stopped counting, I think now. Do you still count? I, or do you actually, you, you probably are better than, I think I'm dyslexic, but with numbers. So uh, I've actually forgotten. Count what? I, I'm, I'm mid, I'm 45-ish, I think. I don't know. I, I'm sort of around that. Are you fucking know. Don't tell me you don't know. I'm not, I just turned 40, I'm, not, I'm, 40, I'm born I just in 77. I, I'm born in 77, so. Oh, yeah, right. you're, you're, four, you're uh, minus three, plus, minus 70, yeah, you're 40, uh, 46. Yeah, oh, 46. 46 yeah. or 45. There you go. <laughs> don't you like being I, you know what i, I just I turned 49 and i, I feel, was listening to you earlier on i wouldn't take a thing back i wouldn't change i wouldn't, I wouldn't try to yeah yeah exactly i have like i have this i feel like i have this bit of like just centeredness 
And a lot of it's because, you know, I was talking about the back in the day, you know, I, we found that, pro, that psychological profile on me. I, <laughs> I feel so, I feel so much like I actually, I was told you don't know what you're talking about for so long growing up mm. and like being kind of like belittled to a certain degree and being like really kind of told I'm not going to amount to anything. And I knew that I could do things and, and the business is good, but not as good as having a really well-adjusted kid who's successful it's tough but here's here's the other side of the equation right because i mean my heart bleeds because you know from what i can hear shit wasn't all fucking sunshines and rainbows and roses and i mean it it makes us what we are today the good times of course times everything else like that and i think you went through you know a lot of shit and i mean and i'm glad that you have you have the maturity to see what that is now and then the other thing is you, you, you make damn sh- Do you know you hear a lot of people who've like passed that shit on? Like, you know, sometimes you can see somebody's bully becomes a bully themselves or some, you know. And I think I'd like to think that we all sort of focus on our next gen. I mean, you love your kid as much as I love my kid. And, and, and I, th- I think that that beautiful thing of learning from mistakes in many kind of ways. And I think having your eyes opened to understanding negatives i mean i think a lot of people just probably didn't i wonder if your dad for example did know the result of what he was doing i mean he's here's the problem my dad was married four times mm-hmm. I, he was 50 years old when i was born he was probably he was probably should have been my grandfather yeah and th- what's interesting is is now that i've gotten older the older i've gotten i said on the knife talk that i know the meaning of life and it's this is something I've been pondering for such a long time, and I really do feel like I have this degree of clarity in terms of why are we here. And part of it is, and it's and, and I see it in my kid, and I realize that my my wife and I both had you know older parents, and her parents are fantastic, but they there were some you know traumas that were given to her, you know some things that were put in her position, not to you know anybody's blame, but. That were really kind of crippling. Not cri- not crippling is too strong of a word, but it really kind of helped give her these parts of her personality that are not beneficial. Hmm. And one of the things that I've noticed is my wife and I both, as a team, really stopped the transfer of these emotional the emotional baggage hmm. or behaviors. We stopped this generational trauma from being perpetuated into our kid and my it is kid is I how didn't... We, we we become we become a sort of we have to pair off to create a child in many kind of respects you know and i think that, that yeah. great relationship where your your other half in my case a better half you know can often n- catch me doing something that i might not realize is is on on you know not positive or or unproductive in in something like that and i think that it it is fascinating that it it's, takes two to but tango. i mean it's it's we, I mean, my, my, I, I told you my, I would stutter like I'm stuttering right now. And my dad would go, uh, 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 and they would make it worse. And he would not make me want to feel confident. He would, he wouldn't try to encourage me to be confident. And there's this degree of a lack of confidence of saying, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but did you're your just sis- saying did words. Your, sisters, your older sisters say that the, they, the things were the same. They do the same thing. And actually funny enough, funny enough, I lit my sister up a couple nights ago. Because she said something to me and I didn't like it. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've been, you guys told me I'm wrong my whole life. 
Hmm. Obviously, I'm not wrong. My kid just got into co- got into the, her first choice college early. She got a monumental uh, merit scholarship uh-huh. that no one in my family has ever gotten before. Obviously, I know what the fuck to do. And I said to her, I don't need a lecture from you. You need a lecture from me. And that was like close. <laughs> I said, you should be coming. I should be lecturing you because you're a moron. And and, and it was like, I got very oh, quick. Sure, that went I got down, very... Oh, it went silent. Well, you know, here's the thing about bullies. My sister's my one of my sisters kind of can be a bit of a bully. You start to fucking get I strong on them, and they the get... podcast either. Hello, sister. She, ain't... I love my sister Carol. I'm gonna have her on at some point. <laughs> okay. I have two sisters, and both they're both like they're wonderful. They're my they're my favorite people on the planet. When my when we found out that my my kid was going to college, we I called her first. Okay. She gave me a little lip. I gave it right back to her. It's fine. But there there is this difference between. You know, the meaning of life is, to me, is leaving things better than when you got here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's the smallest things. The yeah. smallest things. Like, the fact that I, I feel... One thing that my dad used to say about me, which I really liked, was he used to say when I was younger, I don't worry about you. Like, you got, I don't worry about you. So we used to hear that expression all the time. I don't worry about him. I don't worry about him means he's going to be okay. And I, I feel that way about my kid. I'm like, I don't worry about her. She's smart. She's yeah. very disciplined. She sees, you know, her mother works Her mother works on Saturdays at a, at a very, very high stress mm. clinic um, with COVID and everything else. It's been like totally monkeypox. My wife, I'm going to say this, my wife is like the foremost expert in the hospital on monkeypox. She's seen wow. so, fu- so much fucking goddamn monkeypox. And, you know, my, my kid sees us coming home. She sees me carrying the fucking, my mother's mattress to the garbage she sees that we work <laughs> hard and she works hard. and she works she knows that we work hard the and she works it. hard yeah but it's like but i i really do believe that the meaning of life is this concept of leaving things better than when you got here and stopping certain behaviors mm-hmm. not treating your kids better than you were treated yeah not flipping, making flipping them confident the thing for one second as well i mean like there is there's often a period of of spoiling or something as well i feel like that's of course probably, i think we've gone full circle in some ways as well and i'm sure this is we don't want to turn we should probably go back to christmas because considering the zone that's in it but i would say well, that there's a great line about uh, yeah i think we have to i mean we, we know that i'll spoil my kids i'll be a hard ass on my kids i feel like they're nicely balanced in that kind of respect i think that i may i definitely had more issues of perhaps spoiled like issues as a kid but not in the sort of brat kind of way but more in the i probably didn't realize how grateful i should have been in many of course kind of ways. and i think it's only when maturity actually brings that into into light later on um that's and, what age yeah. is so great getting mm. older and being able to look back on these things and thinking about them is the best oh yeah and then having yeah, clarity absolutely. and perspective yeah makes you feel good yeah. i mean for me here's an example for me I had sisters and I had, and when my wife and I decided to have kids, she wanted to have more than just our daughter. Mm -hmm. And I was worried because financially I felt like I want to be able to provide for our child to a point where I don't, we don't ask for money from our families. We both work very hard. We don't ask for money. We don't get money from our families. I I was just worried that we wouldn't be have, I wouldn't be able to give our daughter everything that she needs. And I really was very conscious of it. And it's probably, most likely, my wife most likely has a degree of resentment for the fact that I was just like, let's just stick with one unless one of us hits the lottery because I just didn't want to be put in a position where things are going to be harder on her. I, and I, I'm, I wanted to, to, to park it at, um, at a couple of kids 
and um, but I didn't ever fight that one. <laughs> but uh, well, but I, I mean, I've got a but I mean, that's a personal, really, obviously, personal my, decision. I, I still think yeah, precision drilling. I think <laughs> we, we, we were. I think she was looking for for a girl. Uh, Fucking precision I think, I think drilling. That's what you call it. Yeah, precision drilling. It was. Um, you know, the, the, <laughs> you have to wait until the twelfth day after whatever uh, ovulation and, and precision you know, sort of, and then, drilling. Yeah, yeah, while I have my my ankles behind my head, or, or I don't know. That's has the fuck. Fucking name of this show. This is precision. I gotta write that down. Precision <laughs> drilling with Vingle Fer- Ferguson, dude. I'm t- but, but I mean, it's a very. Here's the problem. The problem is, is you have to make you make, people make decisions, and that's what they have to go with. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, for when I raise when I raise our kid, I felt like the most important thing for her, besides having like just like whatever, is she needed to see outside of our small town. So we really spent our we invested in travel. And that really changed her whole mind. Like we were able to go to Europe, which was a blessing. And we stayed with friends or we did this or we did that. I was able to, we got her down to Barcelona when I was teaching with Marek, with, um, mm. with, with Tomer. Travel has m- helped her see the fact that she can go outside of her small town. And that's now fascinating. That she's, Actually, she's like, I, I'm going to counter flip that because go I, ahead. I, I think that's amazing. And my, my, we've got too many kids to travel. I do. I do not want oh, to put five fucking imagine. kids. I don't want seven of us can barely get in a fucking car. Never mind, get onto a plane. And I feel the 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 uh, you have something absolutely very very true there. I, I'm interested to see the reaction. I, I I did tell you, didn't I, the last time that we brought my kids up to the city, and my middle kid saw you and saw a, um, um, an escalator for the first time in his life. And it, it flipped him the fuck out. It's like, what is this? Wow. What's this moving thing? And, and then and 10 minutes later, we got into an elevator and it was like, a, it was like going to Disneyland. <laughs> but I mean, they've had, I mean, but I mean, their oh, yeah. whole life, they, oh, there's a lot of whole... positives. I, I, I think it's just more getting the shits and giggles out of, out of seeing a, a kid see his first escalator and kind of like wondering how to get onto it at the age of 12 <laughs> you know, or 10. That, I mean, that, that's gotta be, I mean, so, that, so they don't, they haven't seen a lot of cities or. No, not really. Um, uh, not not enough, I, I suppose. In in many kind of respects, I mean, we the, we have this kind of thing where we do try and go for adventures on Sundays, and um, I think we're we're like a two hour drive from the the city, Cork City, and my wife's family are all up in Dublin, which is a four and a half five hour drive from here. Um, and I think that that actually it's um, we kind of really don't we don't really go up there that often because it is it's a tricky thing as well like to kind of find people that have enough beds to kind of put us all into and like it does happen but um, probably not enough but also I, when we try and go for Sunday adventures all get into the car to do something they they complain oh I don't want to go I don't want to go and spend time with you know on the farm this is when I do get to do this or that and the other. So we actually have to make them. And then it, it's fun when you do, when you make it happen. And I think one of the things I would like to do is get them, if I was to go anywhere, I'd love to get them up a mountain to go skiing, you know, snowboarding or anything like that. That to me yeah. would be like one of those amazing adventures that I'd love to do. And part of me dreads the idea of it. And and But I mean, that would be my idea of, of something that's a childhood memory, you know, you know, a proper a proper trip like that. I mean, personally, my idea of hell is is taking them all to go to a beach holiday. That that sounds like a fucking nightmare. Why? Because uh, you don't like to. You can't lie down the on in oh, the personally on the myself. Sand? Yeah, I mean, like the yeah, exactly, and, and just you know, wh- who wants to wake up in the morning and cover themselves in suntan lotion and kind of you know, I I I don't kind of get that, that kind of side of thing. That's you know, I tell you what, we've my wife and I made a decision. We're so we're going to turn fifty next year, 
and we decided so we're going to drop our kid off in college mm-hmm. right before we we're turning fit well i'm turning well, you 50 have an excuse to go to a beach now with in california don't you i suppose California's well an amazing we're, place, we're, we're we're we my wife and i when we our first trip together was back in you know 93 or 94 we went to the virgin islands and we've been going to like these little remote yeah. places and it, she said to me, she's like, I don't think you could sit at a beach. I could sit the fuck at a beach, no problem. If I don't have to work, I don't get any phone calls, I can totally do that. Wake up, put the suntan lotion on, get the beach. I, we're, that's what we're doing for our 50th birthday. Our, she's a month behind me. So next year... We're gonna hit the beach. We're gonna go to. We're gonna go to another old school beach vacation, and we're just gonna like drink in the afternoon and have cocktail hour and wear flip flops. And I can't wait. <laughs> what's the? I, I can't was watching wait. the documentary on that. Um, what's that retirement village that's in that's in America? It's literally the size of a, a small city at this stage. Um, is it the one that I've talked about with where it's like a, it's got like it's like the clap capital of yes, the United yeah, States? I think, I think there's a, there must be the red light district version of it. I <laughs> actually did a weird new I did a weird news with I don't remember who it was, but it there's this it's called the colony. That's what it's called. It's called the colony. Is it no? And not the col- it okay, is something like that. Yeah. Well, there's one of them down in Sarasota, and it's considered oh. like the sexually transmitted disease capital of the world. And it's this retirement community and all these old gaffers are all they go down to the sun they all start fucking precision <laughs> drilling or i should say <laughs> some precision drilling well, down think, in the fucking it, colony it's amazing what you can do with viagra nowadays <laughs> yeah sir i mean they don't need much i mean they, whatever it takes i don't, I don't think those motherfuckers need much i mean no one's getting pregnant that's for sure <laughs> i'm not gonna so here's the question i'm gonna ch- change the subject yeah what are the traditions that you and your family do for christmas that you just are really looking forward uh, to the Christmas swim. I feel like we might have covered this before, but I think the Christmas swim. Don't is worry a, about it, that. Oh, yeah, Do it okay. again. The Christmas swim is a big thing, and I think my my wife is now the official swimmer, so she'll she'll go hop in the sea. So that's kind of midday. I think is it twelve o'clock? It's count down to twelve, and everybody runs into the sea. But normally, the old one was to always have a glass of bubbles and a bit of smoked salmon on toast. You know, eggs and scrambled eggs and salmon, kind of on toast. And um, those who wanted to bit a bit of bubbles for breakfast. Um, and then we kind of do a bit of the farm work that has to be done. And then, yeah, whoever, and usually myself and my sister, the past couple of years are now the, the cooks. So we'll start cooking from after lunch and getting everything ready for, for dinner. Um, I think this year there's too many of us between the two families, my my wife's side um, family and our one, that we would actually have too many people to put in one place. So what we're going to do is we're actually breaking it up into two households. Um, so we'll probably spend time in one house or the other. But back to traditions, yeah, it's it's the usual shit, crackers and whatever else and eating too much and rubbing your belly. But um, <laughs> I I, in my mind, habits. I'm going to paint the picture that I believe is in that giant kitchen. I'm going to paint my picture. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. You have this giant kitchen with the old stoves and yeah. ovens and you have a big farm table and then the floor you got dogs running around <laughs> and you're walking and then there's always something going on and there's a christmas tree and there's a couple kids over here there's a couple kids over there and you're all walking down in your wool socks and you're just scratching <laughs> your ass maybe you got a little vest on that's, that's maybe. the worms the worms make you scratch your ass a lot yeah yeah go on yeah the worms the fucking worms and you're just like looking around it's christmas day you're 
your hair's I know that your hair is, you know, never been brushed. No problem. I'm no, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're just looking around. Have a, what's for somebody what's for breakfast? And you have a little something to eat. And I picture it it's warm, the house is warm, it always smells fucking good. I have there, I think that most of the listeners are just shaking their heads saying, Yeah, yeah. Nah. Fingal's got this like know what, Irish. Do you know what's beautiful... funny is that, that what, what I find that smells good, other people might freak out about. Um I remember like what? Always, what we, do you know the funny thing is, is that I remember when we used to go over and meet my Spanish family and my mum's side that all live in the south of Spain. I have these fascinating aunts. They're my mum's younger sisters. They're twins. And I've always been in love with them in respects that they just have so much energy. And they're those kind of people that just always say something lovely. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're lovely. Yeah. I missed you, darling, darling. There's a really kind of theatrical, but they mean it kind of energy to them. And... um and I think the one thing I've always loved is that whenever they used to meet my father or me or, or anybody, like, they used to grab somebody's head and bury their head into their hair and sort of or, or anything like that and sort of smell because it's a combination of the gubbing scent, which was like the combination of agricultural kind of farm smell, smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of the, 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 that, that kind of strange kind of combinations of, of sort of the... I can believe things. you guys smell like wood smoke. Yeah, Your whole family wood smells smoke like... Poo. Wood smoke and poo. But, but, <laughs> but there's All a, right. that, that nice kind of poo. <laughs> so... What are what are some of the things that you're? What are the what's the? I asked this last time. Don't worry about that. What's on the menu? What's Christmas menu at Gabin? Oh, a good friend of mine is rearing turkeys. He does some good free range turkeys. So there's one of those coming down, and we'll have a ham as well. I think the reason that we'll have the two is um, Stephen's Day pie, which I mentioned before, which will kind of off. What's that? So leftovers of ham and turkey you put into a roux with mashed potato on top. So you can have other things in there like, you know, leeks or whatever else you want to. Everybody has their own version is that, of Stephen's is that like pie. A, is that like a shepherd's pie or is it like bubbles and squeak? Uh, it's messed that all up together. I mean, everybody's okay. version of, of, of Stephen's Day pie is a fancy way of saying leftover pie. Um, so if you have your sort of glazed, you know, so, I mean, the ham to us is is your sort of, you know, your roast ham. I'm going to stop you for one second. Mm-hmm. The listeners are losing their, this is what the listeners like to know. I'm, uh, I'm stopping and they're yelling, saying, Fader, don't stop them, don't stop them. Uh, no, no, can't stop This is no, what they no, like. I'm, gonna, oh, yeah. I'm telling you this is what they like. Go ahead. Uh, well, look, the, the thing is, is that if you, 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 like we boil our ham and then we kind of cover it in honey and mustard, the whole grain mustard mixed 50-50 and pour that over in a couple of coats when you're reheating it. So you can boil a ham the day before to the point where it's cooked fully. And then you can you can leave it to sort of chill in the fridge. So it literally takes that sort of six or whatever, five, six hour cook out of the equation. One less thing to worry about on Christmas Day. So the glaze, do you know that lovely thing? I mean, the problem with the glazes as well is they can burn. So you have to kind of keep right. it and do it carefully. But that honey and mustard glaze on the outside, um, I'm not really a fan of cloves, but nostalgically they, they can be studded in there. You have you to, right? You don't fucking have to. I mean, okay. you know, come on. I mean, cloves going. <laughs> Here's another one. Um, like hot whiskeys. Hot whiskeys. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I've always been told, and I can't, you know, that I can't shake it, that you should always have an odd number of cloves. One, three, <laughs> se- five, seven. Yeah, I know. It says three or five. And no, yeah, it's fun. Go I like ahead. That. I like that weird shit. So anyway, the you the little kind of crunchy, sweet kind of mustardy bits on the outside of the hams is in the Stephen's Day pie. The little bits of the sort of the turkey and the the, the you know that's kind of in there, and then your your kind of your your roux, but not in that same kind of overly stodgy. Let's throw loads of fucking flour into it, kind of over the top. A nice kind of light, delicate kind of roux that kind of carries it. But it's the comfort food. 
it's a fucking hug. It's just, it's the next day, you know, that kind of maybe, like you said, you have Russell Sprouts and everything else that are in there. Um, you know, the leftovers. It's just a big That's what you're party looking forward leftover to. pie. And I think a lot of people might agree with me that, that actually, never mind fucking Christmas dinner, as amazing as it is, and, and like, you know, the weird things that happen, like bread sauce and cranberry sauce and all the roasties cooked in in sort of duck or goose fat and all that kind of wonderful thing. I mean, all this stuff is kind of wonderfully heavy. But some people would actually probably get more excited about a good Stephen's Day pie than they actually would about a Christmas dinner. But yeah. you see, I think you have to have one to lead into the nostalgia of the second one. It probably isn't going to be as magical having known that it came from the, the meal the day before. Do you know about uh, Feast of the Seven Fishes? Is it religiously speaking? I'm, I'm, I'm talking food, whatever you know about Feast of the Seven Fishes. I know. You know anything about it? It sounds like loaves and fishes, but, but tell me more. I mean, I don't know the... It's usually, a t- I believe it, it's an Italian thing. All my Italian friends do Feast of the Seven Fishes. And it's like the na- night before Christmas. Or it's it's either the night before Christmas or Christmas Eve. I don't know, obviously. I mean, I, ha- I have, like, I'm a quarter Italian. But that quarter has no, like, I'm not getting any, like, information from that quarter. But okay. <laughs> the, the, speaking of, by the way, I was about to say, when you were talking about glazing the ham, I think our listeners were doing some self uh, precision drilling, if you don't mind me saying. I think there was some, like everyone had their precision drilling, their self precision drilling. Do not get caught so, fucking your ham, all right? <laughs> don't get caught fucking your ham, ladies and gentlemen. Don't do it. Yeah, but the, it. the 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 feast of the seven fishes is I don't know the religious connotations, but it's it's usually you eat seven courses, each one has a different fish or a different okay. seafood. So we, my, my, in the winter time, for some reason, my family, my wife and daughter like a town. We, it's like, that's when we make pasta. Yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. we have like these like heavier things. And for some reason, it's like, we're more Italian in the winter for some reason. So a couple years ago, I said, well, we would do these things. We wouldn't have a set Christmas dinner. But I said, one year I said, well, let's do Feast of the Seven Fishes and I'll make seven little courses. While of, wearing your with, wife beater and, and your, your, your vest. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Your, and I'll say, your, 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 hey, your, shut the yeah. fuck up, Lorraine. <laughs> I'll say, like, you know, Lorraine, shut the fuck Andy, Andy, don't talk to me that way. Yeah. Shut the fuck up, Lorraine. Don't burn that's the tomatoes. What, <laughs> yeah, that's what that, my wife and I used to go to this thing called the Feast of San Gennaro. It's this big Italian, uh, Italian-American uh, thing down in Little Literally, we used to go when we lived there, and all we could hear is, shut the fuck up, Lorraine, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Don't you don't talk to me that way. And we hear that all the time. That was it. When, so, I, when I was staying in, in Houston and Bowery that one time I was in New York, um, I was above one of the um, the catering supply kind of restaurant shops, you know, yeah. where, where all the half-broken yeah, yeah. dough mixes and all that kind of stuff are. Right. It was amazing. My, my alarm clock every morning was, you want $300 for that piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's better than craig's impression of what it sounds like would be you want three hundred for that piece of shit that's a fucking good one yeah. that's a fucking good one so seven fishes so give me an so, example of the seven fishes. so we'll, all right so we would do so what we would do is we should we decided we're gonna do so we put on an, i my my wife and daughter love the movie moonstruck yep and my daughter loves goodfellas so we'll make i'll do 
just seven courses. So we'll do uh, charbroiled oysters, and then we'll do uh, gr- grilled shrimp, and then I'll do a salmon dish, and oh, then I'll do a tuna night. thing. The seven courses are in yeah. one meal. Ah, one meal. But we'll do it like a. I'll do it like I won't do. Bi- I'll do like a little anchovies or some like, sardines. A little right. Bit of I'll do it like tapas style. Yeah, yeah, okay, got, got you, we'll got do you, tapas got style, so it's not like you know you're plopping down seven things. We would do one course of you know maybe. Make some crab, you know, mm, croquettes, yeah. or what? So we'll do this thing, and and I'll the kitchen in the, in the dining room in the same place. We'll put a movie on. I'll I'll, I'll bring out some like a little champagne or whatever. We'll have some wine, and then I'll make a course, and then I'll make another course. We're watching the movie. I'll make another course, and it's turned into this really fun Christmas time thing for us. So we do the, do like the feast that. of seven I fishes, like it. and then my wife is crazy. For uh, the day after New Year's, the food you're the good luck food you're supposed to have for New Year's. She's gotten the older she's gotten, the crazier she's gotten. We have we have to have we have to have long noodles, and you can't bite the long noodles because the long noodles mean longevity of your okay, life. Yeah. You have to you can't have any chicken because chickens walk backwards, and that's bad. So no chicken because chickens scratch backwards. You ha- you can have pork because pork moves forward. Yeah. You can't have you have to have collard greens because that's money. You have to have black eyed peas because that's prosperity. You gotta have the cornbread because cornbread sucks. I don't know. She loves cornbread. I fucking hate cornbread. You have to, she has this very you have to have champagne. We have to eat twelve grapes. We gotta she's got a whole thing, but it's so much fun. And she mm. makes this alcohol cake where it's this it's this cake that's got like you put holes in it and you make this rum, sweet rum sweet rum oh, like glaze kind of and with the, yeah, with the she's got all these goddamn it's the most fun it's that's more fun because she made it this whole big thing you gotta cook this we have to have shrimp linguine with client linguine with shrimp scampi and we gotta have don't you don't chew the noodle don't cut the noodles you're not allowed to cut the noodles it's a whole thing it's hilarious it's the best i love it created our own created our own crazy uh things no, those those are the important things. I think that's fantastic. Did you hear the story about the? <laughs> do you know? Speaking of Italy, do you hear the Saint Saint Rosalia? Do you know the the whole thing about the the Italian? Did we talk about this last time with the? Tell me, tell me. <laughs> so apparently, there's a there is, isn't it a, a, somewhere in Italy? Is it the south where there's there they have a Saint Rosalia or something like that? Who who was dead and gone or something like that? But her her spirit or something like that. She I think she came from a wealthy family. Um, but she went up to live in the caves and sort of found her religious reasons or whatever it was and spent this time in the caves and, and sort of died there, whatever happened. But her ghost apparently came down and forewarned of an incoming plague. And apparently this sort of ghost that was sort of saved this entire region and area of, of Italy by, by forewarning the plague, it made her a saint. Huh. And then years later, they went up to the caves and they found the bones. So they found the bones of Saint Rosalia and they brought it down. And there's a shrine uh, to this to this amazing saint. Um, and the whole story that kind of goes on. And then years later, this famous anthropologist, or, or I don't know if I'm using the right word, was traveling around Italy and, and wanted to kind of come and see that the bones of Saint Rosalia in, in the church. And I said, I, I, I really, I hate to tell you this, but those are the bones of a goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez that's hilarious <laughs> so what happens is that the in, in true fashion the, the the bones were very 
quickly sort of stashed away and put aside into the catacombs. <laughs> and he was referred to as a naysayer. And, and what happens now is to those who don't believe in the saint, viewing upon the bones will actually only will will only see those of the bones of a goat but those who do believe will see those as the bones of a saint <laughs> well see that's that's how religion does it's like it's the it's that's well, that's let's the not beauty open. This of the kind of worms i suppose but <laughs> yeah no that's the beauty <laughs> of it it's just like oh yeah we didn't mean that yeah, yeah. we didn't mean those bones <laughs> fine all right here's the question here's the here i'm gonna give you the choice i knew you were coming so I do have weird stories with with Ooh, you and we, I like do have weird. weird stories. We like weird. I do want you to part at some point, maybe at the end. I want you to give a recipe to our listeners. I want I you know what I want. I want you to give the recipe on how you can make bacon at home. That's what I <laughs> what I want. That's what I want. I want you to do it. Bake it. You, you make a bacon at home recipe from Fingles. I want you to think about it. Okay, that's an easy one. But in, but in the meantime, I have some weird news. You want some weird news? Oh, bring it on. All right, and think about it. if you. I don't have many of them, but if you want it, we'll talk about. It. If you don't, we'll skip it. No problem. Okay. Horrified woman was so sure that the supermarket meat was a human penis, she called the police. <laughs> We're going with okay, it. You go want on. that one? Yeah, bring it All on. right, all right. Back in 2020, a woman from Ohio was so sure she'd been ser- sold a severed human penis by a supermarket, she actually called the police. And had the hot entire thing tested. Supermarket meat aisles can throw away all sorts of terrifying surprises for the squeamish. And one woman, potentially the biggest shock of them all, after she became convinced the meat was that she bought was a human penis. The hilarious incident happened to... Uh, well, I don't know why this, they say they're people's the Bobbit, names. This is the Bobbit story. Did it happen around the same time? Well, that's a terrible story, too. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a that that We can talk about that. That's a depressing story. From Akron, Ohio, back in 2022, in her search for the truth made international news... After refusing to believe the supermarket's assertion that it was a turkey tail, uh, this woman <laughs> said she wanted that. answers. She says, I want answers, and went to the great lengths to prove her theory, even calling the police. Uh, uh, Lania claimed that she had become suspicious about the phallic-looking meat she had purchased from the store. I'm actually going to send you this article mm. and see what you think. I think is it fair s- enough to say that's one of those things that probably, you know, we will eat all kinds of things, but I, I don't think I've ever eaten penis. <laughs> you know, you don't ca- think? Awful, you yeah, don't, I don't think. Not on purpose. I don't... <laughs> I'm sending you... I sent you the picture, but... Uh, okay. So she claimed that... <laughs> I mean, it does look... I mean, that's a giant penis. That would be a very good-sized penis. I have a whip in the house, like a kind of one of those horse kind of like... uh, Right. There's there's another name for it. Oh, you just sent me the message. And it's it's actually, um, uh, I think they were often referred to as a pizzle. Uh, you know, like it's the pig oh, penis yeah, that's a, and the pig yeah. penis, but they get stretched out, dried, and then they, 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 um, as it dries, it takes the shape. And it's, Jesus Christ, it must be fucking long, but it's, um, but it's a very effective the, whip. <laughs> the woman had started cooking the would be member, but took it off the heat and immediately called the police. Uh, she called the, uh, <laughs> this fucking, this fucking woman. Um, <laughs> Lania told that it looked a lot more like a human penis than any other kind of meat. I hope it's not human it's because not then somebody's like missing. That looks like a T-bone more than anything else. <laughs> I, mean, it, I mean, it's got I hate to spore. say it, but, I mean, but I've never thought about this. But like if you take a penis and you, go ahead. you you salt it and you dry it, it probably shrivels up to something that would fit, you know, 
like a tiny little thing, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot. I don't know what's under to the, the hood. untrained eye. It looked like a penis. That I mean, that looks like. Here's the funny part. Americans are used to penises being circumcised. Okay. That looks oh, like yeah. a circumcised <laughs> penis. Yeah. So, like, she saw it. So, uh, the cops were called to Lania's imaginary crime scene, were so baffled by the shape of the meat that they took the suspected penis into custody. From there, <laughs> from there, the officers handed it to the medical examiner for testing, who were able to confirm that what the meat was. The lab determined that the meat was, in fact, pork, not the suspected turkey or penis. Not penis is so pork. Did she actually think she was buying turkey though originally? Uh, looks like she thought it was turkey tail, but it turned out to be that's actually worse. You thought you were buying <laughs> turkey, and it, not that it's a penis, but it was pork. The semi-victorious Lanya, because she she knew it wasn't a fucking turkey tail, mm-hmm. then lawyered up to speak to the store and sold that sold her the meat on her behalf. In a statement, the store said they had uh, not had issues with the product before, and said it was a commitment to holding the high. They were hold uh, committed to holding the highest level standards. Uh, they have a long commitment of uh, high standards of quality control with their vendors. <laughs> the issue of quality received the mo- utmost priority, and we take this matter very seriously. We can confirm that we have had no previous issues. Um, uh, we're glad that the, con- the consumer contacted us uh, and the authorities were involved. We will take appropriate action at this time. So it wasn't the issue wasn't that it was a dick. The issue was the fact that it wasn't it was pork and not ch- turkey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, I like that story. So next story, here we go, is the Border Patrol finds nothing funny about b- baloney snuggling. A smuggling. Smug, smug, b- baloney smuggling. Okay. All right. Baloney, not snuggling. They have no problem with the snuggling, the snuggling part. Yeah. It's the it's baloney smuggling. This is from the Albuquerque Journal, which is l- taking a long time to load. Uh, border officials recently seized hundreds of pounds of prohibited baloney from the south of the border including from a married couple and a Santa Fe man in their continued fight against forbidden meats. U.S. Customs and Border Patrol said the smuggling attempts, which can be which can bring foreign disease into American soil, is no joke. I don't know how that happens. Uh, no, they get, they get excited. It's, it's based cross-border stuff, exactly. Yeah. People will sometimes make light of these seizures, but it's nothing. Uh, there's nothing funny about these failed smuggling attempts. Uh, says uh, field operations in El, pa- El Paso. The importance of unregulated pork products could potentially bring foreign animal diseases, which can be detrimental to our nation's agricultural industry. Uh, she said the married couple from Texas were stopping in a separate vehicle at the El Paso border. Hawkins said the agent found rolls of Mexican bologna inside the seven, the 23-year-old husband's vehicle, be finding more bootleg pork in his wife's vehicle, totaling 110 pounds. The husband told agents his friend paid him to import the bologna. Then in, um, yeah. Well, listen, you sent me some fucking bologna, and they and they goddamn <laughs> took it. Yeah, yeah, hide the salami. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, hide the salami. And, well, no, what was uh, yeah. funny was that it was, it was only yours got blocked. I mean, it, it got through to... What what it, What is it? I mean, you know you've smuggled bologna before. You you know all about hiding the salami. <laughs> the old prison What world, is it yeah. about the... What is it that you can't... Why Can you send Can you send if, if you go back meats? To, to certain scenarios, then what you have is like foot and mouth and all these kind of things. So I, I imagine it applies more to, to, to raw meats. I, I can't see it being an issue with a cooked meat or, or anything like, you know... But they uh, don't from, care, right? 
I think it's easier to tie the brush, you know, across the board. And actually what happens is that, I mean, let's say, for example, everything to do with America and Ireland, it, it, you know, if anything leaves Europe to go to America, then it's the FDA. So what would happen is that everything leaves here is in metric and all the stuff in American is in, in, in do you refer to it as imperial? I mean, sure. Okay. And then uh, what, <laughs> yeah, what, what, sure. How pounds, ounces and cups and all that kind pounds of Pounds and ounces. Okay. We, I would call that imperial and like, like they would in the okay. UK. What happens is that in the UK, Brexit has happened. So now the UK is considered a third world country because they're starting from scratch because they're no longer in Europe. So anything leaving Ireland, even though it's happened for thousands of years going back and forth between or no not everything's Europe, you know, was in the UK was in Europe for so long that it was just so normal and it's we're right next to each other but now that it's no longer in europe we are separate so it's kind of like saying that you're starting from scratch your third world so therefore it's like sending something to to another part of the world that might have you know different regulations and you might have different attitudes toward things so one veterinary department um talking to another one it's 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 just this interdepartmental like kind of over bureaucracy of things that rules that have come along and what happens when rules kind of come along like that even though logic dictates some things there's still a rule to protect your you 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 know the country that's just taken too seriously by people and until something can be said to bypass that rule now that i think about it like that whole wuhan wet market thing probably made a little bit extra spicy you know i can bring in you know bat flavor well no but i mean that was with the you know the, the idea that you know, coronavirus oh, came yeah. from yeah, yeah, exactly. from those things. So I would imagine, like, no, you know, any somebody bringing a you know pile mm-hmm. of bat baloney is yeah, going to have exactly. a problem. I mean, that that is these are the kind of thing. I mean, if you overthink about these things, or if you do, I mean, it's so easy. Stuff moves around so much, and even what we don't know about, so what they can control, and um, so I think that well, yeah, that, that that's that's well. The funny part it. is the article is is like you think you know smuggling the baloney, hiding the salami. Those are like you know sexual innuendos. Exactly. But the border patrol is just like we don't want to have a fucking meat pandemic <laughs> from your fucking dick baloney. You know, this is like we don't want that. We don't want that. It's not funny at all. We don't think it's funny at all. But uh, all right, next. Have story. you heard of? Have you heard of uh, the new Oscar Mayer face mask? No, Oscar Mayer's. Right. I, I barely know Oscar Mayer's as a as a, as a Oscar Mayer. Oscar Mayer is the biggest maker of. Bolognese and it's like a it's like one of these factory farms that makes bologna like on a so massive level like putting hot cucumbers dogs. on your eyes and in, in, in a facial kind of type thing well i guess i guess putting bologna on your face is a big thing and oscar <laughs> meyer made a oscar meyer bologna they're selling face mask bologna fl- face masks okay i should try that with a board with slice your of mortadella and just two holes with holes <laughs> yeah. so they, they pop some holes somebody came up and somebody said hey you know what people are putting bologna on their face Pop a few holes and we can just repackage the whole thing. So, are you bored with your beauty routine? Think about what you need to add is a little bit of nostalgia, maybe in the form of luncheon meat. Oscar Meyer has you covered with a new moisturizing face mask inspired by bologna. Currently available for $5, the masks uh, for on Amazon, the masks are inspired by the memory of kids biting the eyes and holes out of slices of bologna. To clarify, the masks do not contain any actual bologna. Oh. Suitable for they do not contain yeah. bologna. They're infused with witch hazel and seed-driven <laughs> ingredient. Oh, I thought they were like selling bologna with holes in them. Okay, it's a whole. They're making. 
The face mask continues. Oscar Mayer's more than century-old practice of not taking itself too seriously. After all, the company drives a 27-foot-long wiener mobile coast-to-coast to promote the brands. There's um, one of my, um, some of my friends do a lot of um, TV work, and they they used to swear by caffeine spray, and this it was a spritzing kind of facial spray that they used to put on their face. What happened was it kind of used it was like a kind of um, that all the skin used to tighten up on their face. Yeah, um, and that was the, the I suppose the only thing I've ever heard that was quite strange. That and I think you're only supposed to use it every so often. <laughs> sort of on it's, the hour every hour, this caffeine spray was sort of <laughs> the equivalent of a Botox <laughs> reaction. So that reminds me, how's the Mordella, the Mordella, your Mordella game going? Oh, it's great. Uh, it, it didn't take off as as fast as uh, it's a slow burn thing because I think it's it's um, I feel like it's more of a summertime kind of like thing like that, and I think we. I have a lot of people asking for it, but we don't have it um, kind of out there. But I have an interesting project. So I'm doing um, like I'm doing a bit of work with Yeti, you know, the, the people who make the wonderful oh, yeah. coolers and stuff like that. Yeah. So have some nice projects coming up this summer. I have um, I want to kind of catch up with some of my friends who are chefs. And we're going to do these projects where I'm going to go around and meet friends. And we're going to come up with well, I think my great friend Jess from Kai came up with a thing we're going to call sausage season. Because if you think about it internationally speaking you can take a sausage from the four corners of the world and have a nostalgic connection to it like cotacchino which is this amazing sort of italian sort of boiled sort of sausage which has this very unctuous kind of texture to it or you have mortadellas and cured meats and frankfurters and you have burrowers from south africa and you've chorizo from mexico or spain and you have um, Polish, um, Chinese, Lapshong, and you have every culture has a sausage or a cured meat of some description that kind of is tied into a bit of nostalgia or something kind of fascinating. And like in many cases, they're so standardized and you see them in the shop every day. But if you go to the other side of the world, you, you wouldn't see it at all. Um, so my plan is to kind of meet some of my great friends and come up with one that maybe isn't known or actually work with them in their restaurant where they're just going to do a one-off. So we don't want to try and every week kind of make hundreds of different types of sausage. What we want to do in the very quiet period from January through to spring is focus on doing a special every period. And it's kind of exciting for us because with with my, my crew in the, in the smokers, what we're going to do is product development, taste a little batch, grow it, you know, I mean, for example, one of the fun things we want to do is we're going to try and make a posh spam. <laughs> which oh, sweet! Is, yeah, it's, I mean, look, hey, spam is like, I mean, let, if we if we go to Hawaii, how it's important made a comeback? Is that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 huge it's comeback. Things, but imagine making a posh one, and then I haven't had burrowers for ages. It's like kind of it's kind of in a big spiral, and it will have wild game in it, like venison or something in it. Or you can have, um, like I said, my good friend who's Takeshi is from from Japan. There's a Japanese sausage we're going to come up with. A good friend is from Poland. We're going to come up with a few ideas from there. So the whole idea is to kind of travel around to the different guys and actually come up with some influence and, and work together on it and and, um, and wow. sort of make it a, a bit of an adventure. And, with, and maybe we'll do it where we'll kind of go mail order with it and stuff as well. Because um, I think in some ways that will fill a gap for what might be a quite you know period between January and whatever to just do these kind of monthly mail order boxes and have our standard things, but also this product of the month. Um, I mean, that'll just be within Ireland, but it's, 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 you know, it's part of the fun is that, like I've always said, the, the phone book of recipes that are out there in the world. If you think of charcuterie, 
Um, there's a guy called Len Polly. He's in uh, California, I think. So, um, Simona, so, so, uh, Simona in California. And the website is probably as old as me. <laughs> you know, it's like the it's such a kind of. But the recipes within that, once you go into one of the pages, um, the the formulations page, it spits out a PDF page in the most logical form. It's got a. Um, a sort of a by ratio kind of type thing. So some annoying recipes are like take a three kilo lump of this and add two cups of that. Whereas this is, I mean, quite often with any form of butchery, you know, you, you don't often get the amount of meat you want. You're not going into a butcher's to ask for something. You're either sort of coming up with it yourself and you want to be able to adapt the recipe to the amount of meat you have. And you can, through logic and, and everything else, you can adapt and play with the spices to work with what you have and, and put your own twist on it. So I'm looking forward to to kind of you know, having some fun with this because we have the toys in the smokehouse and I want to kind of open the the project up to to kind of work with other people and stuff as well because that, that brings a little bit of excitement into the place. You know, you, you, do you know that you, you take away that Groundhog Day element of, of a boring, quiet in time of the year and, and put a project in that people start to communicate and there's nothing like that excitement as everybody has their own opinion and um and kind of you come up with something at the end of it so yeah that that's the project for for that sounds like um that that made me come up with i have a tough dilemma for what would you, you do okay what what's your what's your fader sausage of the of the if you if we were to I, work on one what would be something that you would sort of have as a that oh what was the what would do you know what i tell you what and the, the question I was going to ask you stems off this. Probably, I love, I love all. You want? I don't want people to, you know, quote me saying I love sausage. But I tell you, you what, sausage and cured meats. Yeah, I could have. I've said a lot worse <laughs> over back. In, I've definitely said a lot of. I the one of the best tasting sausages I ever had was when I was in culinary school. We made this. We it was a bake during a baking class. Mm-hmm. And we baked this traditional French loaf. Okay, yeah. With this garlic sausage in the middle. Yeah. So this garlic sausage was floating in the middle, and we and it was a super duper garlicky. It was like a I don't know. It wasn't really a salami, but it was really. It was so delicious. It's like I could a not get. Was it slightly fermented in any kind of way? Maybe, but it was baked in. It was baked in the bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So like it one. floated in the middle, like a, and it was like I, that is unbelievable. I, I mean, in regards to me, what I would want to make, I would, you know, I always try to step back and go to my roots, and I would want to make a really good, you know, hot dog. Yeah, you know, yeah. might as well. I've had some fun doing that, and what's interesting is I, and I actually up graded our, our bowl chopper a couple of years ago which is like a giant kind of multi-blade spinning thing in a donut shape that kind of goes around so it's a large rotating cutting blade version of a sort of a, a magi mix or you know processor and um it kind of opens the game up to being much more inventive um and you know because the germans and, and the italians and all these kind of european cultures have 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 so many variations that you can come up with currywurst and whatever else and then you have yeah in some ways, there's a, a a bit of a buzz I'm going through at the moment is taking the worst junk food version of something that came originally for something that was kind of honest and real and became a, a, a sort of almost got belittled and became a, a mass junk food. And then turning that full fucking circle and taking that junk food version and then pimping its ride and turning it into something posh. So like I said, yeah. spam earlier on. Yeah. Like in, in New Zealand, I think they have these sausages that have like little cubes of cheese in them. 
So it's an emulsified yeah. sausage. And then as you cook it, little, little, little pockets of, and I was going to do that with smoked gabine. So we're going to do one of these sort of the equivalent of a frankfurter, but there's little cubes of the cheese and uh, come up with other things like that. But like this is by using really good, you know, higher welfare and, and, and not putting in any preservatives that don't need to be in there. Like and just... It's a, there's a it's a form of alchemy, isn't it? Really, I mean, there's there's, yeah. there's a fascinating element of of, and it can all be blown away. I had another conversation, a strong conversation with a friend again. It'll always pop up every so often about tradition versus you know like molecular gastronomy versus sort of traditional food. You know, like we all love the smell of a roast chicken in the house when you walk in. It makes you enjoy dinner and sitting down to it. Right. And then you have your foams and your skid marks and your sort of, your, you know, which is always that joking term towards molecular gastronomy and that sort of whole thing of, of sort of oh, yeah, using yeah. technology towards, um, you know, kind of um, opening up things. And, and if somebody asked me, you know, why, why do sort of all these kind of foams and skid marks kind of happen in, in sort of Michelin starred restaurants? And I think a large part of that is about the, the story that you're being brought on and about you know that that going to the, the such a far distance of kind of elevating a dish but at the same time because once you start to learn about food and how to how to how far you can take things and what you can do with it you can almost get so carried away with it and i mean this in a good way that that it becomes it becomes endless what you can you can do um, and sometimes that gets pulled back where, you know, you actually have to see the big picture, of course, in, in a whole meal from beginning to end. And that reminds me, I want to see that movie. What's that Ralph Fiennes movie? Where, oh, where no, coach, where he's like, a, he's like a, I think he's like a cannibal or something. Right? Something something like that happens. And, and there's, uh, there's some wonderful, there's a wonderful scene, I think, halfway through the movie where just before he starts probably killing everybody, where one of the guests is a total food nerd. And I probably would consider myself that food nerd. Um, where he's in the meal and everybody's about to be shocked and horrified and the food nerd kind of halfway through his meal goes is there bergamot in the sauce <laughs> <laughs> you know and I, 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 yeah that sounds creepy oh yeah do you know what back to the whole thing of of the molecular gastronomy i went to a, 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 this course in, in in a university i was one of the the, the speakers with a wide spectrum of somebody who was into molecular gastronomy, there was the course, um, the, the the lecturer, um, several students, there was um, several restaurant owners who kind of probably prize themselves more on being traditionists. And there was the, the, the university lecturer was focused on an element of molecular gastronomy, called, I think called pure or pure something. And that was, you don't use ingredients like a carrot, celery, lemon onion you use dextrose sucrose citric acid and whatever else the actual simplest form of what makes right. up the ingredients within fruit and vegetables <laughs> if that makes sense yeah and um it, it is fascinating because what his knowledge base of what makes food work is a lifetime of study to understand it and it probably doesn't make him the best chef in the world, but it probably makes his entire life not boring. It's, it's fascinating what he's probably capable and, and can do. And then Moma in Italy, who has been cooking food in a certain way for a thousand years, will blow anybody's socks off who's probably been making the same pasta sauce in the same way forever and whatever else. This is the thing that, that's happening. I mean, would you, you know, do you like the fact that, that food can become... Um, that we have all these things happening. We have so much information coming at us from the food world now that it's mind-blowing. And that sometimes we totally 
can get carried away with with making an emulsion and a and a sort of using tapioca maltodextrin to turn olive oil into a powder or you can but at the same time the simplest thing in the world like a good roast chicken <laughs> I, it's interesting you say that because I, I do i do i used to be a foodie my father was a foodie mm. i used to even consider myself a foodie that was like you know 15 20 years ago and then i just was just like hey, you know what i don't need all this this is all too much but what's your I'd like to have foodie? something like oh you will you got to have this and you got to have it with this and you got to have it with this and is this this way and it's just like i just like over you know it's just like reading the new york times every wednesday and trying to get to the restaurant and and talking to the chef and using their terminology and learning about different things and this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you're supposed to eat and it's too much information for me and the the older i got and it's the same thing with the knife making is you can do the go down the same way. Let's know. just do I, this. I'd, I'd, I'd argue that. I want that foodie thing just to kind of go back to that because I think that what's interesting is that there is something about being on the pulse of knowing food trends, but I don't think that makes you a foodie. I mean, no, I, I but, think that I, but it's if, like if you could play Ready Steady Cook. Did you ever have that TV show? Oh, you probably didn't. I think it was a very English thing. Um, that we would have watched. On we had three, two, one cook or stuff like that. You know, where you like you have a pepper, few, green, you have a certain amount of yeah. you have a certain amount of ingredients, and everyone's got to cough something up Bingo. fast. Bingo! It's right. along the same lines of that. And I think that I would consider some of your foodie in that kind of respects, where there is enough tricks up your sleeve to actually make a meal by just looking at the things and not having to hit Google. That that is I, that I like. I'm talking about the, you know, oh, you can, I can't eat it with this type of cheese and I can you know, it's like the it's the it's the kind of nerdy super duper like the guy who wanted the whatever, you know, watching the movie and he's like, "Oh, is there watch McCall in this?" Bergamot. I can't get <laughs> I can't get inv- I can't get involved with that stuff anymore. Do you take risks with thing. food? Of course, but at the same time it's like I don't feel like I have to know everything about like a meal and the foam and the this and oh, yeah. the that i've really kind of like and then the knife making is the same thing it's just like at the end of the day let's just make a good product and i can be i'm simplifying everything now listen i got two things i gotta go with two more things i'm gonna go with you number one is you're i'm giving you a tough dilemma <laughs> you're only allowed you're only allowed to pick three cured meats okay that you can only have <laughs> Okay. Three. The three best. It could be anything you say. And then I want it to be the ones that our listeners can go out and get too. So give me your top three cured meats. Top three. I know you're gonna give me a bullshit answer. Well, you can't really your kids like no, loving your no, children, no, no. which gonna, are the best. I'm just gonna go with the give first me your ones fucking that come to my top mind, three. I'm not gonna try go and ahead. show off or do anything weird like that. Go ahead. I think like a pancetta would be one of those kind of okay. things. That's a thousand different meals you can kind of do with that. I mean, okay. it's a posh bacon. Um, yeah, and I think be, be it cubed up or, or or cut wafer thin or whatever else, it allows you to go into seafood or, or anything else. So I think pancetta, uh, which is basic. can you eat it raw? Can you eat oh, it? Yeah, uncooked. A, good, a good a good pancetta. Yes, in many kind of ways. I now, if it's very firm to the touch, um, I'm going to say yes. I think anybody. Okay. Can, yeah, I'm going to okay. say yes. It would. Do you be, buy the supermarket in, in an Italian in Italian pancetta? Sure, shit. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right. Number two. Um. I'm probably going to go with something like chorizo just for the sake of the fact okay. that it's a, it's okay. it's so versatile. You've got another Okay. It, it it's the smallest amount of it will lift and change any kind of dish. 
Spanish chorizo. I'm saying I'm not saying you know, with they're the all th. in bed with each other, but, but I think. Uh, but the f- Mexican ones are almost like soft. It is, yeah. So Mexican chorizo is actually kind of more like a sausage meat with the, the flavors. But then, yeah, I, I'd kind of okay. I think I it also allows me to kind of open up to people's own imagination that what they use the most. I think what you're talking about is a, is a heavily spiced kind of wonderfully fragrant right. long shelf life um, product. Or right, number three. Ooh, number three. Okay. Number three, cured meats and sausage. You've got you so far. You're very well rounded, very yeah, well rounded. I'm just kind of thinking about. Um, I'm going to go with the fucking weird one. Um, go ahead. Now, what, is there a, like if there's three cured? Okay, I'm just going to go with the, the memory. Something is calling out. There's there's an go Italian ahead. thing called salsicce, and salsicce is just to fuck with everybody's heads right now. It's it's, it's a, a raw pork sausage that you are able to eat. It's in Tuscany. They, they make this. It's like steak tartare, but made with pork. Um, Whoa! Never heard of it. Yeah, salsicce, and it, it's along the same lines. It's about ten or twelve sort of spices in it, and it it has um, it's a unique texture. I think it probably like m- like my wife will no longer go anywhere near it. I think we ate too much of it when we were a trip, and I, I think it it, <laughs> it was she ate so much rich food. I think her liver practically shut down on one of those decadent kind of. So, what does it taste like? Uh, like? Like steak tartare, but but a little bit more of the um, of the sort gamey. Of, Italian, there's a little hint of fennel and, and there's yeah. sort of that lemony kind of vibes to it and a little bit of heat and garlic. Damn. So it, it, is, it isn't fully fermented. It doesn't have that sharpness of, of fermented. And it all comes down to actually having the highest quality of meat because you have to trust it and know that you can eat it, yeah. uh, eat it, eat it raw. Can but you make it at home? Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who didn't know what they were doing. No. Oh shit! So it is one of those wow. things you would actually have. To, you'd have to go to Italy to this sort of region and area where they rear the pigs in a certain way, and they make it, and it's eaten fresh within a certain amount of time, and it's Jesus. Eaten with good wine and everything else like that. But it's one of my happiest memories of one of those things, because I was being allowed to do something I've done for so long that actually, but it, you know, I'd often eat, eat eat raw pork and taste it in a kind of a sausage form like that. But this is not something that you're supposed to do. But, uh, have you ever gotten trichinosis? No, no, we don't have it here. It, it's not because you, you get it one time and you get it for that's it for the rest of your oh, life. Yeah, yeah, I, it's not in this country. They t- they test for it. Uh, they still, even though there's zero trichinosis in in Ireland anyway, um, I think most of Europe wouldn't have it because they they test for it so much that um, apparently it's big in bears, like bear meat. Possibly, we don't have those either. <laughs> well, I've never eaten. You know bear. bears I've in never bears bear. Ireland? No, no, I, I think the. The the weirdest thing I I keep getting into trouble for saying this, but one of the the weirder meats I've eaten is I, I eat, I've eaten beaver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. yeah, I know that's all about it. Precision drilling. <laughs> that's that's he, how you get the precision <laughs> drilling, right? That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> baby. Last thing. Last thing. I want you to give your home cooked recipe. A home cooker. A home. Some guy okay, sitting at home. I want a bacon recipe. How we can make okay. a bacon at home without? But don't give using, me the using your grandmother's ingredients. If you're going to go to your grandmother's house and raid the store cupboard, um, salt and sugar. What kind of? What kind of? What, what kind of? What are you looking for in a pork belly? Uh, okay, so if we're going, to, uh, the Americans often refer to bacon using the belly. The Irish will use the loin. I'm going to, on those rare occasions, I'm going to be forced into having to agree with Americans. Um, nice, and I, I think that the 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 belly of the streaky is is the is the better kind of cut. It's also a lot easier to cure. Um, so what you do is you mix together salt and sugar in a sort of a. I usually kind of go with a four to one kind of ratio, but four to four, one four, salt four, to four, sugar. Yeah, less 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 sugar, more salt. 
and then you can add about 30 grams of that four to one mixture um, to every kilo of meat. Um, if somebody, I can send on the recipe to somebody if they ever want to have it on, in our in our book and stuff like that. Uh, but the, get, get your DMs, get your DMs get ready. Your DMs, d- get, get your DM DMs on, ready. But um, you you rub that in, and then you can leave that in a tray with cling from over the top um, for a couple of days in the fridge, and then you can pour away the liquid and 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 just kind of keep the the cure in there. Um, vacuum packing is a lot easier. I mean, everybody has it probably or has access to a sous vide or whatever kind of type of backpack, or just putting it into a Ziploc bag and squeezing all the air out. So then, what you're looking for is is for every inch of meat, so it's about an inch thick. So it's going to be about I'd like kind of think you're probably talking about nearly two weeks. No, actually, you're not using a curing salt. So less. You'll, you'll, you'll actually be able to nearly cure this in, in just over a week in your fridge. A week in your fridge with that mixture, yeah. now, salt and this is, sugar. This is where it gets fun. You can actually Go ahead. You can, you can pimp your ride. So the thing is you can Go put ahead. in whatever spices you like. I mean, the simplest thing in the world is just to add a lot of cracked pepper um, into, your, into your salt and sugar mix. Or you can add fennel and rosemary and thyme and juniper and rosemary, whatever you want to. In, in, in small amounts, you have to realize that this is going to be sitting on it for a long period of time. So a little goes a long way. Um, a friend of mine gave me the, the, Jess um, in Galway. She has this fantastic recipe where she puts in maple syrup and coffee grinds. So it's actually she huh. actually takes freshly ground coffee and you put and and puts that over. And towards the end of the cure, we'll put the maple syrup in. So you actually have maple syrup cured bacon. And the Whoa. coffee is actually quite fascinating. So when you look at it, it looks like it's blackened with pepper. And you think, oh, my God, that's like, that's a lot of pepper. And then you taste it, and it's like it's got the the grittiness, a little bit of coffee, and the sweetness from the maple syrup. So you can you can have a lot of fun with that. Now, so one week, one yeah, week in the fridge. It's that simple. It's just, you take it out, and then you can hang. If you're talking about winter and it's cold, like anything outside, if it's less than you know, if it's less than ten degrees centigrade, if you're talking about four to six degrees and kind of nice cool time of the year, then you can just kind of like hang that up in a cool place and you know for as how long, long as it's dry look the, the the one golden rule about kind of curing any form of meat if you're going to air dry it and try and turn it into a speck or trying to turn it into cured meat where you would be able to eat it um raw or if you want to do anything like that is that the piece of meat originally from its raw weight it has to lose about one third of its weight in the air drying hanging process and then it's going to be sort of more shelf stable Huh. Um, and that's the kind of golden rule because uh, um, so you weigh it first, and then once it's once you lose a third of it, you can it's ready to go. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're you're turning it into speck, or you're turning it into anything else like that. So yeah, that's the kind of rule of thumb about if you're making any of the cured meats. Um, but if you just want to do bacon, like it just takes a week in the fridge to, to balance out for the salt to get in there, the sugar. The more sugar you add, the more it'll counterbalance salt. So you add a little bit more cure, if it, you know, because there'll be more sugar in it. And, and like there's there's a friend who makes something called sugar pit bacon, which is like got a lot of sugar in there. Now, I kind of I have to admit I've got a sweet tooth, but I, I'm not a great fan of sugar. I don't think I don't want to, do, to encourage a product that that's too sweet into the world. I think we're going down that road. I'm more afraid of sugar being probably the work of the devil than than, than any other kind it of product. It's true, hundred percent true. But my God, I'm, I, I am a sweet tooth. Um, so I think like you can have fun with you know honey and and maple syrup, like I was saying, and other products like that. To 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 if you if you do have those, and that can be put in the tail end. But yeah, so you hang it and then what? Well, look, 
you don't have to hang it. I mean, basically after a week, you can wash that off. You can you can maybe put a bit of cracked pepper on the outside. Or you can do that maple and, and coffee thing I was talking about. And then um, you can cut it up into strips and backpack it and store it or freeze it or do whatever you want to do. But if you do cut it up into strips, like I grew up in a house where there was always the, a piece of bacon hanging up off a nail in the kitchen. And you take it down and take a couple of slices off and put it into a pan. Um, Damn. And, you know, the harder it gets. Jesus Christ. But the harder Imagine. it gets, the more it dries out. Then the more you're talking about something that isn't kind of like your morning bacon, like with eggs. It's actually kind of almost turning more into sort of like your pancetta. Beef and your, jerky. And your lardon and something that will actually kind of go into stews and dishes and and. and you don't would you smoke your bacon or no yeah because i mean we have the tradition of smoking food in ireland largely because it's so humid so what would you'd be able to pull off in texas or or in in certain parts of america or in europe um it's cool but it's dry what we have in ireland is it's it's always wet as fuck i mean we're we're just we're one step away from genetically developing gills you know, it, it, we we have serious a little bit more precision issues. drilling. Fingal, <laughs> yes, you never know, there man. You go. My wife spends a lot of time in the sea, so it might be going there. But, there um, you go, baby. But um, yeah, I think that that humidity is your problem because okay, food safety. Very simply put, the the the, the you know what makes bacteria grow is warmth, fuel, and um, uh, warmth, fuel, and uh, well, actually, what can save, make food more safer is, is acidity. So vinegars and pickling, salt can kill things in acidity. Um, did I say acidity already? And then yeah. um, lack of moisture, lack of water. So what often happens is if you hang a piece of food up and it's salted, and but actually it's really humid, it's just going to start growing mold and, and getting sticky and yeasty and horrible. Now, if you were to try and do that in a part of the country where it's high altitude and warm and dry, it's actually going to just turn into a speck. Like if you go to the Swiss Alps or if you go to the Spanish mountains or the Italian mountains or if you go to parts of America where you know it's you know what would what will rot in one part of the world will actually naturally preserve in another so this is where you have to be aware of your environment and your circumstances and actually there's a lot of cop on so that's where i suppose just to to pull out a wanky phrase you you kind of use your head and if you're going to be artisanal about it you know it's like air drying beef you know not all beef is designed to be aged in in a certain way to become the best steak in the world if you if you take a piece of shit and you it's just going to be tough shit in the end of it whereas if you, you know whereas if you if you take you know it, it's the quality you start off with and using the good guidelines it'll just get better um with time in the right environment and using your instincts and just being aware of every day checking on it and you can turn something very simple using basic salt into into something quite wonderful Fingal Ferguson, you said it all, huh, and we could much. keep we could keep going. <laughs> Boy, it's always great to hear you. I I cannot. All I can say is, I'm looking forward to the future with you. Mm. I'm looking forward Our to seeing all your exploits. Paths need to cross, my friend. Though their paths will cross. I'm going down to Barcelona yeah. in June, or maybe yeah. you'll come down. Exactly. You know, you come here. I come or something. Whatever happens. Yeah, for sure. And a hundred percent. Fingal Ferguson, I wish you Merry Christmas. Oh, happy Christmas. I don't know what you, what do you say? Merry Christmas or happy Christmas? I say both. <laughs> what do they say over there? They say Merry Christmas or Happy yeah, Christmas. I like Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. All right, there you go. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful time with that beautiful family of yours. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to to uh, I'm looking forward to wearing your t-shirts. I just got some more of the t-shirts, and I'm mad that you refunded me for the t-shirts. Frankly, <laughs> I well, only you, you, you know because I so thank you for that. <laughs> I love I love Fingal Ferguson, ladies and gentlemen. Go check it. You know Fingal Ferguson. You got the blue check mark. Fingal Ferguson, or also follow Gabine. Get the cookbook. The cookbook is one of my favorite cookbooks. The Gabine cookbook is awesome. You can get it on Amazon. You probably get it anywhere. And uh, Fingal Ferguson, Merry Christmas, my brother, and uh, it's always a pleasure. We're going to get Noah back on, and we're going to figure it out oh, in the new year. He wasn't here. I, I thought it was fantastic. <sighs> it's fine. It, you look, it, this is once again, this is the part of podcasting I hate. It's the technical errors. We 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 really miss mm-hmm. uh, we miss 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 mm-hmm. Noah, who's just he fantastic, and we're going to catch up with him in the new year. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right, guys. We're going to see you next week. I got a special surprise for the Christmas episode, and then I think I'm taking a. I think I'm taking a week off. I'm going to take a. I might be taking a week off. We'll see. You never know with me. I might just like lose my mind. But I got a special episode. The Christmas episode should be very interesting. We'll see you next week, guys. Go follow us on Instagram, uh, the Full Blast Podcast on Instagram. Go follow Fingal Ferguson. And why don't you do me a favor? Leave a review wherever you listen to this goddamn podcast. It helps me. I need you to I need you to help me and su- support the sponsors. Thank you to all the sponsors. And uh, Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week, guys. Fingal, thank you, my brother. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. <laughs> <laughs>